the blast from our past network. Lock your doors, close your windows, turn out your lights, for chills and thrills await you. It's time for Podcasting After Dark with your hosts, Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Stay with a friend, say your prayers as grisly ghouls close in to seal your doom. Tonight's episode, Tough Turf, stars James Spader, Kim Richards, and Robert Downey Jr., What's up, everybody? Welcome to another tough episode of Podcasting After Dark. I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. And this week we are doing the 1985 James Spader cult classic, Tough Turf. Tough Turf. Come on, Tough Turf. What a soundtrack, buddy. Oh, my God. <laughs> so this is one of, this was your pick. This was my pick. Uh, and I'm so glad I chose it. I think you are, too. I am very glad you chose it. And I, I think our good buddy Tony Arlington on Facebook is glad we chose it as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. And and I think every episode would not be complete unless I gave a shout-out to my brother Eric. And uh, he is equally enthused about this episode. Oh, yeah. I think you mentioned Eric at least once an episode. <laughs> but this time it's all like my, my mom was my mom mentioned. She's like, I, I hope Eric's OK with being mentioned on the episode. And I said, I think I've said positive things. Yeah, I don't think you've said anything negative no. about Eric. And but this one in particular is a definitely a positive. Yeah, oh, for sure. For sure. It's <laughs> I OK. So going in, I have never even heard of this film, dude. This was all you. I didn't know what to expect. And you guys will get my opinion, you know, uh, during the course of this episode. But I will say that I very much enjoyed it. And uh, I don't know if I enjoyed it quite as much as Class of 1984. But we'll, we'll get to that. Maybe maybe by the time our conversation's over, I'll spin around on that. Yes. But um, since I had no connection to this movie whatsoever, what was yours it was uh 1985 you yeah. were uh let me guess you're about eight or nine years old at that point gosh i was i was yeah i was nine years old um uh, and i did see it when it came out i don't honestly and we talked about this earlier uh, off air there's not a whole lot to find on this movie online um outside of the wikipedia's and the internet imdb's um it really doesn't necessarily tell you like uh, what the box office, where the budget was, or all, all like the smaller details. But I saw this movie soon after it came out in the theaters. I saw it on video. My brother Eric uh, even uh, commented on our uh, podcasting Facebook page, <laughs> Podcasting After Dark Facebook page. That's right. What did he say? He said, um, "We, you know, at the time we couldn't afford a VCR, so on weekends my mom would rent a VCR. You remember? You remember when you could do that? When you could rent a VCR, you had to put like a five hundred dollar deposit down or some weird thing. Yeah, yeah. You could also rent uh, video game consoles too. Yes. I think like Nintendo, Super Nintendo. I, I never did either. Yeah. Um, but I do remember we did have a VCR when I was young. But we had one of those top loader ones. Yes. You know, uh, we did not have one where the remote control had a cord. Okay. So that was a little bit before, but we did have a top loader. Yeah, the top loader was definitely the one that they would give out at video stores. Yeah, and I remember we would check that one out with a stack of VHS tapes. Or this is, you know, my brother wrote all this down and he just was like enthralled with the whole thing. I equally was. Um, there are some comments I'll make later on th- that I want, I'll save for, I'll save because it, I don't want to spoil anything at the end. Okay. But um, yeah, 
I saw this movie and I wanted to be James Spader right away. I wanted his jacket. I wanted his bike. I wanted everything about him. I wanted his girl. Well, I mean, Kim Richards, she was 80s hot, bro. She was 80s hot. I mean, yeah, well, I'll, I'll kind of run down the uh, the cast of ne'er-do-wells in <laughs> well, this film. Before you jump into that, I got to say that our buddy Tony, uh, he did leave a comment on the Facebook page, and he said, uh, this is his quote, my wife pointed out to me that James Spader just plays James Spader in every movie, and I'm okay with that. And you know what, Tony? I'm okay with that, too. Because I'm okay with that times th- three. I love James Spader in this movie. I... Not going to lie. I mean, obviously, I know James Spader. I guess I've seen him in stuff before, but I think this is the first time I've really watched a movie where I think maybe he was the lead. Um, yeah, he and the lead, like, this is a teen movie for sure. It's a, and you, you would, you would said to me earlier, like, you love your teen movies, <laughs> your teen revenge films. Yeah, man. I do love my teen revenge films. It's weird. I was like 10 years old, nine, 10 years old at the time. And, maybe fantasizing into the future. Like I, I was like, I'm going to get bullied at school. I just know it. There's going to be jerks at school. Well, I was, and I hated school. Aww. And I really wish I could have lived vicariously through these characters because it would have been a different outcome. <laughs> now, my question to you is, did you have a tattoo when you were in high school like James Spader did, apparently? <laughs> was that a spade? It's a spade, right? Yeah, he had right? a spade on Jesus. his shoulder. Wow. I mean, if my name was Spader, I would have a spade on my shoulder, too. It's a pretty cool tattoo. It's a cool tattoo. I'm wondering if it covered up a birthmark, perhaps? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's it's a little spade on his shoulder for those of you that are playing along at home. How, and, how old was he when he did this movie? Do you know? Yeah. Again, I couldn't find like stati- I, I guess I could look up his birthday. Yeah, we could do some math. But yeah, he well, he's, he didn't. He was not in high school. That's for damn sure. He's over eighteen for yeah. sure. These are clearly twenty early twenty something year olds playing high school kids. Yeah, probably seniors. I would think, but they get away with it really well. Like it, it nothing about this movie in in the casting sense feels impossible or or unbelievable yeah everything feels realistic but what you were saying about james spader playing the lead he did a handful of 80s movies uh well the one prior to this he did was called new kids and that is a great uh slasher kind of horror film and he's the lead villain in that oh interesting fucking cool that's definitely one we should add to the list if we haven't already okay um i never even heard of that one either great it's great and then he was in a movie called jack's back uh, which came out way later. That one, I've seen the cover to that. He plays, I guess, a reincarnated version of Jack the Ripper. Yes. Um, I, I never watched that movie, but I do remember the cover. And now that I'm thinking about it, I guess, like, so at my age, when, when this movie was big and out and everything, I was always watching, a lot of times I was watching my movies down in Roanoke and getting them from a, a convenience store slash, you know, video store. And I guess thinking about it now, they just probably didn't have everything. You know, it wasn't like a blockbuster where they would just carry everything. You you know, you're a small store. You're only going to carry things that you think are going to do well, I yeah. imagine. So that probably limited some of my viewing as a kid, but you, you didn't know that as a kid. You know, like you had no sort of point of reference at that time. Well, in, in VHS tapes, it was that. I mean, we're getting into a little bit of the history of VHS tapes here, but it's it's a weird history because they – where some of the tapes were super expensive, right? Over $100 sometimes, and some of them were cheap as fuck, you know? Yeah, I remember when Rocky Horror Picture Show came out on VHS. It was a big deal, and my stepdad, like, he spent the $90 to buy it because he was like, oh, he's wow. been, I've been waiting my whole life for this. That's amazing. He's, I know. He, he doubled down, and he 
cash that cashier's <laughs> check for wow dude yeah because yeah. i remember i mean this is something our generation definitely recognizes back in the day vhs tapes were so expensive and then when places like suncoast came out and they dropped the retail price down to an affordable cost everyone freaked out right but then there was still you had to wait like a couple months movies like tough turf um Class of 1984, the earlier 80s movies we were talking about, I don't think they, they ever really saw the light of day until later on. And then they were given that like $9 you know, budget price and they were on a crappy VHS copy. So people really didn't, if you weren't searching this movie out, you probably didn't see it. And it came out at a weird time where direct-to-video didn't exist. Yeah. I almost get the feeling Tough Turf might have been a direct-to-video if it was like a few years later. Well, it, it did pretty well at the box office considering. It came out in January. Okay. Uh, but it, it was it was definitely a movie that had a, it, it made money. I think it made its money back from its original um, – uh, or it had like a 1.5 million opening, which is actually pretty good if you think about it in 1985. Right? Yeah, no, that's pretty good. And it made $9 million total, which, again, for an 80s movie. And I really want to know the budget. I couldn't find any information on that. So if any listeners uh, to this podcast know that question, please let us know, Let us know, because I'm just curious. I felt like it had a very small budget, unlike Class of 1984, which had a $10 million budget or something like that. <laughs> I, I don't know, something astronomical. Anyways. Well, I, I will say this. I did just crank the math out for James Spader. Oh. He was anywhere between, when they filmed it, either 24 or 25. Yeah, I, just, <laughs> it's funny, I did the same thing. And I thought, whoa, we have to mention the fact that he's 25 years old in this movie. Yeah. And if you look, think about it now, he does look like he's 25. Yeah, he does look very... Very sort of twenty five, and he's he's got a man's body. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's got a man's body. You better you better tag that shit on uh, Instagram. He's in like with a screenshot of his of his six pack and say he's got a man's body. That's, Corey uh, Stevenson. Uh, uh, yes, let's let's isolate that sound clip. And uh. <laughs> he's got a man's body. There is uh, one actor in the movie, and I'm going to get to the cast right now, uh, who definitely looks like a teenager throughout the whole thing, and. Considering the age difference, it probably was closer to a teen. Um, but let's run down the cast of the New World Pictures Tough Turf. Yes, please. Because, let's do it. Okay, the opening to the movie, by the way, has the New World uh, Pictures logo. Oh, and I miss that logo so I, bad. I do, too. When I saw that, I told my wife, I was like, oh, New World Pictures, I love it. Think about the movies that came out from New World Pictures. I think Critters was one of them, but also Hellraiser being one of the main ones. It's just an iconic logo. Who bought them up? Do you know? Uh, I feel like New Line Cinema did. I feel, yeah, I feel like they mer- or, yeah, it morphed right? into New Line or something. Yeah. I, I could be wrong. New I don't World, know. New World, New Line, who knows? Yeah. Uh, well, someone knows because we could research it, but, <laughs> you know, we're lazy. Or sometimes we come up with these questions that we just, at, right on the spot, yeah. you know, and I didn't think to plan on that one, you That's know? That's the beauty of our podcast. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, the, the, just to run down the movie, the, the cast really quick, James Spader plays Morgan. Uh, he's the lead. Then there's Kim Richards. And she plays Frankie. Kim Richards, uh, known to most people nowadays from the reality show... Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Yes. And yeah. honestly, I only, I've never watched that show, and that's the God's Honest Truth. I w- watch clips of it, and I've seen her, and I'm like, oh... 
that's the chick from Tough Turf. Oh, that's the chick from Assault on Precinct 13. Oh, that's the chick from all those Disney movies back in the day. Watcher in the Woods. And um, I think she did another Disney movie. Yeah, I knew she did Disney movies. And I've I've seen a couple episodes of Real Housewives, Beverly Hills. And uh, she's she's a uh, she. Well, they portray her on the show as a hot mess now. Yeah. I, you know, who knows if that's how she really is. But yeah, let's be that's honest. her. Yeah, that's her quote unquote character on Real Housewives. Um. I knew she had done Disney stuff when she was really young. I did not know she did this. So when I saw her in, in this, I was like, why does she look familiar? Because you see her pretty much like very early on in the the, yeah. the movie. The first five uh, minutes. Yeah. And I was like, why does she look familiar? And then I IMDb'd her. I was like, holy crap. But I did not know she was in Assault on Precinct 13, which I've never seen the original. I've How dare seen, you? I've seen the remake, which I very much enjoyed. How dare you? <laughs> Seriously. Like, I, I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed the remake. But as a carpenter uh, lover, lover, enthusiast. You know what? I take it back. I feel like I've seen it, and I feel like I've seen it with you. But I also feel like we were drunk as as fuck or something when we saw it, and (laughs) or or high or something. Or I was high. You were, and I don't. Not when I was a teacher. Not not you. You, Zach does not get high. Uh, I am. I am the stoner of the of the group here. Um, (laughs) But you know what? I have little glimpses of it. But it was. Regardless, Assault on Precinct 13 was never one that I kind of grew up watching, Well, really. uh, again, it's it's one of his earlier ones. It's yeah. not as well-known, I think, in the in the larger sense to the cultists who love Carpenter, like, passionately, like yeah. I do. Uh, I love I'm saying passionate lover. It, he That movie is, is, is one of his, in my opinion, all-time greats. Uh, but she is in the beginning of that movie. She's the reason why the whole gang war starts. Oh, okay. Because... Yeah, I'm d- whatever. Who cares? It came out in the 70s. If you haven't seen it now, it's you're a little late to the game. She gets shot by a gang member accidentally. Her dad freaks out. He takes he takes a gun and he goes to the uh, precinct, and that's what kind of starts this the ball rolling. Well, but, she wasn't shot at the beginning with the ice cream. Yes, with the ice cream. Cone. That okay. So I yeah. have seen it, and yeah. I think you and I watched it because it was about five or six years ago. Yeah. Uh, Zach kind of like I had seen John Carpenter films, but I had never seen an auteur's uh, catalog like in order. And I think we yes. maybe we started with Assault yes. on Precinct Thirteen, and that's why I don't kind of remember it too well. I'm having a major flashback because yeah. you did. You're like, let's start at the beginning and work our way up. And, and is that his first one on on IMDb, or at least maybe his first big one, because uh, wasn't it like Dark Star or something? Dark before Star. That? But we didn't watch Dark Star. I no. think we started with Assault, and then we moved on to like his next one. I know that uh, with you in this like like we did it over the course of like two months or something. Like yeah. every week we'd watch a new John Carpenter film, and I think we sort of ended it uh, around Prince, uh, of Prince of Darkness or something. Because oh, um, yes. I wanted us to keep going to see In the Mouth of Madness, but I I think life just happened because I've never seen In the Mouth of Madness, but. Long story short, oh my God. I loved, I had never done that before. I'd never watched an auteur's catalog like in order. And I very much, uh, it has shaped my like adult viewing sort of my eyes. And I, I like it a lot. And I kind of want to go back and, and sort of like do that for like other auteurs. Yeah, she has, she has a huge role, uh, a very memorable role in that movie. But she was also in like Meatballs Part 2, uh, which is a great sequel in my opinion. 
It, she was not in The Watcher in the Woods, I don't think. She was in Escape to Witch Mountain. Oh, the original Escape to Witch yeah. Mountain. Yeah, yeah. And then they remade it with The Rock. Apparently, she's in the remake, too, which I just looked up. I'm so. sure she, yeah. I, I figured that, that they always do that, right? Bring, yeah. bring them back or something. Yeah, but that's cool. Cause I, and, and honestly, I don't care about who, who she is now as a person. She's amazing and tough turf. Yeah, yes, we'll and yes, and she was absolutely gorgeous. She was oh my god, eighties hot, a hundred percent, hundred percent, and 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 yeah, I'll save my comments till later. Sure. <clears throat> um, and then there's Paul Mones, Mones, Mones. I think it's M O N E S. He plays Nick. He's like the main uh, antagonist in the movie, and we'll get to that. But he, to me, was mostly well known for being in the movie Streets of Fire, the Walter which Hill, which I've never seen. Oh, it's great, and he gets this. He gets the shit kicked out of him by the Michael Perret, and it's a very memorable scene in that movie. Smaller part, obviously. And Streets of Fire by Walter Hill, that was after he did The Warriors, right? Yes, it was. It is a in 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 it's a very loose sequel in a way. If you talk to if you listen to interviews from Walter Hill, it's a loose sequel to okay. The Warriors. And it makes sense. Yeah. In the in the in the world that he built and i like i know that you like world building so there you go yeah well, i <laughs> i love the warriors that's your favorite movie of all time yep. i i kind of feel like we can't just do a regular episode for that i kind of feel like we need to do like maybe a, a commentary like a full feature length commentary but we're saving something special for the warriors because yeah. it's zach's all-time favorite movie we, i have so much to say and and it would be a several episode uh, podcast yes yeah <laughs> exactly it's funny our our podcasts are already like two hours long. I almost fear that if we do a commentary on the Warriors, we actually will run out of time. We might just need to do, do like th- a three-hour or maybe a two-parter episode. It's going to be a con- when, when we're at conventions. This will be the thing that people come to see at our convention. Oh, that's cool. Right? Good call. Yeah, Good yeah. call. I see, I'm putting it out there. Um, <laughs> that's okay. how magic works, baby. Right. So I'm going to run down some of the cast really quickly and talk less about them. But first, uh, Matt Clark plays Morgan's dad, and he's to me, is so memorable from a ton of 70s movies. There's a great Robert Redford movie he's in called Brubaker, which is fucking so cool. It's uh, Robert Redford going undercover in a state prison. He's actually the warden, the new warden, and he goes undercover as a prisoner to expose how horrible it is based on a true story. Oh, cool. This guy, Matt Clark, was also in a bunch of uh, Clint Eastwood westerns back in the day. Okay. So look, at, you know his face as soon as you see him. He also reminds me, he looks like the reporter from the Bill... Bixby Incredible Hulk TV series, but it's not the same guy. I just wanted to point that out. Uh, Claudette Nevins plays the mom. Next, and then yeah. uh, I mean, come on, she's memorable in, in a very negative way in, that, in this movie, in my opinion. Uh, but then the most most notable cast member, Robert Downey Jr. One of his first movies ever. In fact, it might be his first movie. I got to look it back up again. He plays Jimmy. And he's billed as Robert Downey. Yep. Just just like in Class of 1984, where Michael J. Fox, Michael Fox. is billed as Michael Fox. I'm sure my other podcasting partner, Dustin Rubin on, on $2 Late Fee Podcast, would know the history behind that. Because he pointed out the history of Michael J. Fox. There was another Michael Fox, I guess. Well, because uh, my wife asked, because, uh, you know, she she watched, <laughs> we talked about it offline, but my, my wife caught, like, the first 12 minutes of Tough Turf, and I, I got to say, she was like, she had to go to bed to go because she had to go to work early today. She was like, uh, this is amazing. I'm like, I know. <laughs> so she she's dying to actually see it for realsies, but she saw the um, uh, Robert Downey. She was like, why isn't he billed as Robert Downey Jr.? And I'm like, I don't know, to be honest with you. And I told her about the whole Michael J. Fox thing, and I I was like, I just suspected. I was like, maybe there was another Michael Fox at the time or whatever. Be, yeah, right? exactly. So, uh, but she made a point that it does make 
the names sort of stand out more, like Robert Downey Jr., Michael J. Fox. They both made the correct choice, and they kind of like, I think their names stand out more with the the added extra bits to it. Yeah, totally. I feel like he, uh, you know, if if you could re-release this movie now, and people would freak out because they're like, "Oh, it's Robert! Oh my gosh, it's Iron Man! It's Tony Stark!" I'm surprised no one's picked it up and, and dropped it on Blu-ray or anything because we watched this on on YouTube. It is coming out on Blu-ray, I think, next month or September. Yeah, well, this mo- this episode will probably drop around September. It may be out now. Uh, Kino Video puts okay. out great blu-rays okay and they are re-releasing this it's pretty bare bones but in my opinion i'm gonna pick up a blu-ray copy of this movie Oof, i may be there with you <laughs> it, was, it was not his first movie by the way who robert downey no, Jr. yeah but it was one of his first movies and uh he was in a movie right before this called firstborn which is a gr- another movie we may add to this list another teen dark movie but we'll get to that later interesting um yeah i'm just dropping all sorts Oof. of interest Oof. and i was telling Corey before that we started recording i said there's going to be a lot of uh side commentary to this movie because every every scene that comes up i'm like oh that happened in blah 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 so we'll get to that um to round out the cast there's olivia barish who plays ronnie that's frankie's best friend and you may not recognize her right away but if any of you and of course you better have if you're listening to this podcast have seen the movie repo man she's the lead actress in repo man Guys, um, I need to see Repo Man. What the get the get the <laughs> hell out of this microphone right now! How dare you? Yeah, I saw the uh, sequel to uh, this other remake to Assault on Precinct Thirteen. <laughs> uh, I have never. I seen love you. Repo. I love I know, you, Corey. I know. I know. Hardware. Love hardware. Um, <laughs> yeah, dude. I, <laughs> wow, you never seen Repo Man? I've never oh, seen awesome. Repo Man. I've that. only heard nothing but good things not about ra- it. No, not Raper Man. No, okay. not Raper Man. <laughs> not not Hardware Man. Um, <laughs> I almost made uh, Zach spit his coffee out. <laughs> oh my god so, okay well then that's that's on your personal list of movies that you need to see is repo man oh we're not gonna watch it on the podcast well sure i'm sure we will down the road it's not it's, I, it's a great movie okay it, oh it's not technically one of like our sort of thematic movies oh it definitely fits okay it definitely fits in the universe that we've created um <laughs> i just wouldn't put it at the top of like oh we really gotta see this movie uh, our, our podcasting after dark cinematic universe yes i just well and i think i was about to say well everyone's seen repo man and then i just remember what you just said and i'm thinking well yeah but Everyone else has pretty much seen Repo Man, so we'll get <laughs> <laughs> everyone else except Tony Arlington right now, our Facebook friend, is probably going like, oh my god, yeah, yeah, <laughs> dude, yeah, we're twins. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, so let's jump into the movie. New World Pictures opens it up, and the opening, you see this guy riding his bike on the streets at night in Los Angeles, and the song Secrets of the Night comes on by Marianne Faithful, and it's got this really pulsing beat to it, and... And you realize it's James Spader, Morgan, riding his bike through the streets of L.A. in the eve. uh, And the music is badass. The opening track is awesome. I... My first note is, let me let me read it verbatim right here. My very first note. The opening song is insane, dot, 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 Lee good, question mark, because <laughs> I wasn't sure at the time, but I think it is insanely good. Well, I'm not a fan of Marianne Faithful. She you knows she did a song with Metallica, I think. Okay. Uh, I, I thought this was just a made-up song for the movie. Now, she, she's a pretty legendary artist. Okay. And the, on, and the soundtrack has a lesen, legendary cast of... Ne'er do wells, yeah. Um, with the exception of Jack, never mind. I'll get to that later. Um, but she, that song is badass. And then the opening font, the title, 
tough turf. Yeah. It's like a spray paint can. Uh, that, to me, that from when I saw this when I was a kid to now, it's my favorite font. I didn't even know what, what font was when I was a kid, but I wanted that like on a t-shirt. I wanted it on a backpack. I wanted it on my mongoose bike. I wanted it to <laughs> be painted everywhere. Tough Turf, so badass. Yeah, it, it's a cool name. It's a really, really yeah, cool tough name. Tough Turf? Oh my God. Yeah, we're getting, yeah. Oh, this is amazing. Okay, you can, you can tell I'm really excited about it. <laughs> so he's riding around, and at the same time, cuts to Nick and his gang of ne'er-do-wells. I'm using that probably incorrectly, but I just like it. I, I think you're using it correctly. I will say, though, that I unfortunately called him Mick the entire time in my notes. So <laughs> well, if he, I accidentally referred to him as Mick, I am referring to Nick. Well, if we ever have uh, Paul Moniz or Monez on the show, because I, I actually am a huge fan of his work. I think he's a good actor. Uh, I would love to get his thoughts on that, Mick <laughs> and Nick. Um, but he's, he's clearly like a gangbanger kind of dude with his gang of little cut cut out caricatures of gang guys from the 80s and they're scoping a dude across the street who's lighting up a cigarette did you recognize that guy oh i did yeah they're mark what uh what's he been from uh okay so his name's francis mccarthy okay and he i remember him from summer school uh he was like the he wasn't the principal but he was like overseeing yeah. Uh, he Mark al- Harmon's characters, like whether he was going to get terminated from his job or something like that. He, he ends up being a cool plays, guy. He always plays like a dad or a yeah. cop or a teacher. Yeah. Somebody he, with authority, right? Yeah, I was actually looking up his resume and I was like, oh, shit, he's in The Relic, which I love. I love that movie, The Relic. Yeah, me too. With Tom, Tom Sizemore. Sizemore. Yeah, and I, Clayton Rohner from uh, Just One of the Guys. Ah, uh, dude, I, I liked him a lot. Uh, that Clayton dude, right? He was oh, his yeah. partner. Tom, I love Clayton Tom Sizemore's par- partner, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's um, one of my favorite actors of all time. Oh, that, I. I liked him in that movie, but I didn't know anything prior. But yes, um, The Relic, the Relic. awesome movie. Love that movie. You watch it now, the CGI is not good. No, and it, it's a cheeseball monster movie. Uh, I think Peter Hyams, who directed it, even said that. He was kind of, he knew what he was going for. With oh, it. and he, he nailed it because that yeah. movie's fantastic. That's yeah, fantastic. I would watch that again in a heartbeat. Uh, and he was in a movie called Death Spa, okay. which yep. the, the podcast, How Did This Get yep. Made, pretty much owns that movie. Yep. There's no reason to even do this episode because. Death Spa is so amazingly bad. Um, but yeah, he's from that. He's, so he's this Mark across the street smoking a cigarette. And up walks Frankie. And Frankie's looking all hot and sultry. And she's it, clearly she's in on this um, this grift with, the, with her, Nick's gang. And she's trying to get money from the guy. And then the gang rolls up on him. to, And they put a knife next to him to basically get all his money. And you hear rolling down the street on his 10-speed singing Bebop-a-loo-bob. Uh, or whistling or something like that. James Spader on his bike, and he's got a can of Coke in his hand, and he sprays the can of Coke in Nick's uh, Nick's gang's face. No, he grabs the Coke from the girl. That's right, sorry. Or it's like a beer, actually. Yeah, Um, yeah. He grabs it from the girl, throws it in the guy with the spray paint's face, then the guy with the spray paint sprays Mick in the face, then the Mark kind of is able to get away, and then like he kicks, I think he kicks the other guy over, but then he gets his back sort of slashed by the one dude. Yeah, one of the guys took took a... um, antenna off a car and he was using it as a like a sword or a whip yeah have whips. you ever been hit by in a car antenna before uh, no but i'm i'm imagining it's some similar to like a belt strap it stings it is so painful i've been hit once by by like you know goofing off with a friend or whatever but that is no fucking joke hitting somebody with a car antenna yeah it, it i mean it looked 
it, it definitely, the sound effects are great in this. Yeah. It's, it sounds really painful. Because uh, it, it slices the back of his leather jacket. Oh, it rips open his Japanese uh, flag. It's like yeah. a bomber jacket that he has on. But, and, but dude, freaking uh, uh, Morgan yeah. rolling in James Spader's character like that. Like, what an introduction to it's him. A, he, oh, yeah. he literally dispatches a group of five people and not, doesn't even stop. He just, just kicks, scrabs, spray, you know what I mean? It's like, so badass. It's so badass. It and, is. And I have to say, this is a total side note to this. Uh, when he's singing like Bebop, Bob, and it'll come come back later i don't know if there's like a fascination from of the 60s music but that was like a big thing in the 80s i think 50s and 60s vibe yeah that brought up that reminded me of william ragsdale's character in fright night uh who's charlie brewster the lead right at one point he's like walking to his car and he's going be bob and i'm like wait what the fuck is up with this be bob shit i don't we, remember being into that at the time you gotta figure like right now it's 2019 and the 80s are huge so i'm sure back in the 80s the 60s were probably huge like That's i think true. i don't think retro or an appreciation for things that are retro or is anything that's new with this era that we're in i think they've always been around true and and actually this has a 60s uh this has a love of the 60s throughout Yeah, uh, their other scenes, so we'll get to that We'll later. definitely, yeah, yeah. The, the club or whatever later with uh, Toto singing or whatever it was. <laughs> yes, my God. <laughs> but yeah, we are really going to unpack that shit. Woo! But, um, okay, yeah, so he t- you know, dispatches the whole—I love that you dismantled everybody. Uh, my brother, I think, pointed this out at the time, that James—because my brother and I were really into comic books back then, my brother more so than me, and— uh, he was like, James Spader should play Daredevil in a Daredevil movie, like a young Matt Murdock. Because my my we love casting movies as kids. I mean, who didn't? And I always thought it made total sense to me. I remember seeing pictures of Matt Murdock, and I'm like, whoa, James Spader is Matt Murdock? Because yeah, he that's, has that blonde hair. Yeah, it's kind it's of perfect quaffy. casting. Yeah. No, great you're right. That's, that's a great casting, actually. And if you think about what happens at the end of the movie, it makes total sense. Yeah. No, it's it, that's a good, good casting right yeah. there. You hear that? Can we just go back and like do the Kevin Bacon or Kevin uh, <laughs> Jeff Bridges thing from Tron and like morph their face? Or... Seriously. Anyways. Okay. As, and as much as I love James Spader, James Spader's bald is not quite as cool as James Spader with the beautiful blonde locks. <laughs> yeah. James Spader was a hunky dude back in the 80s. I mean, he was a hunk. Um, so continuing on we to the hunkiness of James Spader, the next scene, like basically the guy runs off that they were going to get the money from and the scene ends and the next scene we're at james spader morgan's house in the morning and you cut to his room which is a shambles and there's still like boxes being unpacked so it's clear that they've just moved or they're moving you don't necessarily know just yet uh and he's lying under his covers with his eye open and he's watching two cockroaches on on the wall on a poster yeah and then rips open rips the blanket off and he's got two dark guns and bam bam shoots both of them with the dark guns yeah we posted this like video like I, it was a gif that i converted into a video on our instagram today and this ah, yeah this scene like i don't understand the cockroach aspect of it it's gross first uh, of all right and and <laughs> so i was like okay so are these people poor but then you come to yeah. find out that they, they don't they're not poor no um or i don't know what their situation is they actually don't i don't think they even tell you why they move from connecticut to here well if they're if there's the term skinny fat maybe they're like uh rich poor yeah, I, I, I don't know, but the, the dude's got cockroaches in his room, and yeah. that ain't cool. <laughs> no, it's it's gross, and, and, and so you automatically recognize that he's probably living in the somewhere in the valley, because 
No, Santa Monica's got cockroaches. Well, I think too. it I'm was. I think it was Canoga Park. Yes, it is Canoga Park. The, the the shooting. The that's another fun thing you can do. There's actually a YouTube video that goes through one of the few YouTube videos that are a tribute to this, where they go through all the scenes and they show you like then and now pictures, which is kind of cool. Yeah, uh, especially if you live in Los Angeles of where they shot this thing. And because I saw like some now. Sherman Oak signs there yeah. and whatnot. Well, yeah, and then at one point they're in Santa Monica. Yeah, yeah. They, well, it's only for a shot with him riding <laughs> yes. his bike, and I'm like. Yes. Okay, I was like, I know why you inserted it because it looks pretty. Yes, but he didn't ride his bike from uh, Sherman Oaks to Santa Monica no. and then to <laughs> wherever it was, Canoga Park. <laughs> yeah, Canoga yeah, Park. yeah. You, yo, dude, you aren't riding your ten speed. Well, that was was that his cruiser? That was his cruiser. That was his cruiser. At that point. Yeah. yeah. At that point. Okay, we'll get to that point. Anyways, he's got a sweet ten speed bike, and uh, you know he gets up, goes, gets. I'm sure he gets his clothes on. He's walking outside. He sees his dad, who's a cab driver. And you're thinking, okay, this guy's got a uh, cool dad who's like, okay, have a good day at school, son, whatever. Then he goes off to school. Cue the 80s montage music. Loved it. Your first montage, first of, I think, three or four montages in this movie, uh, which is a wonderful high school montage. They pretty much use the same uh, area where they shoot this scene for every high school scene in the movie, like a couple scenes maybe. Anyways, the cue the 80s montage, people holding hands, uh, butt shots, like in mom jeans, you know, yeah. walking to class. People people break dancing, <laughs> you know, break doing dance. that. I like the shot where the three people were mocking the teacher yeah. as he walked. Or and the- I did that. After watching this movie, I did that a few you times. You just mock your teacher, yeah. like just walk behind them the way they walk or <laughs> yeah. something? So impressionable. This yeah. movie, I'm like, I wanted a 10 speed. I want to spray someone in the face with paint. Uh, what else can I do? And have Kim Richards as a girlfriend. And- <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. I can I can go with you on that road. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So, yeah. It was like, uh, I even wrote down, like, where is this school? But it says, because there's a sign on the wall that says, Smash Canoga. So, they're near Canoga Park or whatever. And uh, Nick and his gang are in the parking lot and just bitching about, oh, if I ever see that guy, I'm going to get him and blah, 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 blah. Then Morgan rolls up on his bike looking studly with basically the same outfit he's wearing the night before um, and his cool Ray-Ban shades. And the security guard is like, hey, get off the bike. You know, you got to walk that thing. And where do you recognize the security guard from? As soon as I saw the security guard, I go, holy shit. That is the same guy who was in Fright Night. He was a detective in Fright Night. There's your second Fright Night reference of the podcast. One of my favorite movies of all time. We'll get to it. Um, but it's his name's Art Evans. He, yeah, he was Detective Lennox in Fright Night. I but know him. You from, know him from. I know where you know him from. Die Hard too. Of course you do. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and I'm like, Corey's gonna know. I even wrote that down. Did I write that? I think I did. I said, Corey's going to know that this, he's going to say that this guy was from Die Hard 2. Yep. Yeah. Totally from Die Hard 2. He's great. He's, he's great. It, it, and for me, that was the first moment in the movie, uh, watching it now as an adult, uh, thinking, wow, they had so many cool uh, character actors for like really short scenes. Yeah. He, he, he was sadly underutilized in this film. Yeah. He does have a great moment though, because Morgan's like, cause the guards like, Hey, you never walk that thing. And he's like, well, I was hoping I could write it through history or something like that. And then, uh, the, the detective, the security guard says one more thing. And Morgan just looks at him like, all pissed off. And he's like, you ever shoot anybody with that thing? And looking at his gun and the security guard gets all stumbled. Me. Me. And that's the moment again, second moment, number two, that Morgan's a badass. He's such a badass character. But see, at this point, I'm not, I wasn't really tracking like what his beef was. Like I wasn't trying to, I wasn't figuring out like 
what his character was all about just yet. I, I think yeah. he's a he's a bit of a complicated character, and he is. And you're you're so used to the movie showing you a character at first, like a very black and white version of every character. And here so far, we've seen him shoot cockroaches, um, <laughs> we've seen him beat up like thugs, and now he's he's uh, yeah. I don't know. I'm like I'm like. Am I supposed to be? Is he supposed to be the good guy? I'm not quite sure is yet. He a but vigilante he's yet? yeah, yeah. What is he? But yeah. yet he's James Spader, so of course, like I'm. He's got that chemistry. He's got that like that. You know, just that. I don't know, man. He's he's awesome. So he's, just, yeah. So he's got the presence, that persona, and so you're like, okay, I, I'm I'm liking what's happening, but I'm just not sure where it's going. And uh, yeah, that that kind of permeates through for a while for me. Yeah, it does. Like he's a very mysterious character, and actually, every character in this movie is complex. I think. Yeah. Uh, the protagonist, anyways. But um, you know, suddenly he gets spotted by Nick and his gang, and they're like, "Oh, I guess we're going to school today." And they kind of, you know, follow him into class, and you know that some shit's gonna go down. But then from oh, and by the way, when and yeah, when he's like talking to his gang, I recognize two of the guys. I'm like, wait a minute. I know these two actors. The one guy who you so you're calling Nick Mick. There's actually uh, another um, uh, Latino actor in it named Panchito Gomez, and he's he his na- character's name is Mickey, and he's the guy who had the spray paint in. Okay, right? yeah. So he is from. I recognize him from American Me. I'm like, oh shit, that guy was in American, and he's great. He's a great actor. Uh, then there's Michael Weil, who's the other kind of other set like the third in command buddy he plays eddie and i'm like where do i know that guy from well he was in valley girl and fast times at ridgemont high a handful of 80s movies okay um another great kind of side character yeah anyways they get follow morgan into school and you cut to uh the school office which is it feels like the first day of school or like a, just a very busy morning and who do you, and this guy is arguing with the secretary about trying to get out of his biology class. He's like, come on, my doctor says. And she's like, no, you can't do that. And it's actually a pretty funny scene. And I'm like, I know that actor. Did you know who that actor no, is? No, I didn't. Okay, so his name is, um, oh, what's his name? He wasn't the, the bad guy in RoboCop, was he? No, he's actually Mayor Goldie Wilson from Back to the Future. Oh, nice, nice. And if you I, look him up on Facebook, he goes by Goldie Wilson on Facebook. I, I liked, well, see, what, what caught my attention for that scene was the way it was shot. Uh, th- there's a lot of camera movements in this uh, sh- movie that are pretty interesting if for for what I would at the time assumed was a low budget film. And you just, you don't see a lot of, you know, like for movies that have a lower budget, you don't see a lot of camera movement because yeah. they take time and money. Yep. But here it, they, they really did some cool stuff. Um, like with this scene right here, particularly yes. the camera starts on the two of them, but it's on the side of like more of the teacher side of the desk, you yep. know? And then as she moves down, the camera tracks or dollies down with her. And then it kind of zooms in and you see James Spader sitting over there. So I was like, I mean, like guys, it's not like an elaborate camera shot, but as we all know, watching these cult movies, you don't get a lot of camera movement in these no. lower budget, older films. No, and especially for high school teen drama kind of movies. And it, yeah, there, there's another movie that stands out to me that has amazing cinematography, Three O'Clock High, okay. which we will definitely get to. Uh, oh, yeah, because I have an, uh, an outside of the movie uh, story with oh, the, yes, the, 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 pro- or the antagonist in that film. Oh, yes, you do. It's <laughs> he almost, juicy. He almost got me kicked out of a bar. Stay tuned, folks. We'll get to Richard Tyson in, uh, in another episode. <laughs> I even have a picture of me with him on, oh, on, on Facebook. That's amazing. Yeah. I am so jealous right now. Um, yeah, so uh, Donald Fullalove is the guy's name, okay. by the way. The actor who plays Mayor Goldie Wilson from Back. 
Back to the Future. <laughs> I just thought that was a cool, fun fact. I'm like, oh, wow, cool. Like, okay, anyways. Um, yeah, and so you see Robert Downey Jr. enter the scene, and you're like, holy shit. He rolls up, and he's scoping Morgan, and he says to the this girl, her, her character's name is Feather, uh, but I'm like, I know that chick from somewhere. Her name's Katya Sassoon. She's related to Vidal the, Sassoon. Yes, it's her his daughter. Okay. She did a she didn't do that many movies, but she's beautiful. She like she's like model hot. Yeah, she's for like that a model, time. and she's only in it for like two seconds. Yeah, right? she's got like two scenes in the movie, and that's about it. Um, and you're like, oh, okay, well, it makes sense. Maybe he put his daughter in this movie, and he asks her for a knife. Robert Downey Jr. does, and she's like, why? And he's like, I just need it, or something like that. And immediately you're, you recognize, okay, Jimmy, is Jimmy going to use that on Morgan? Is he going to be a jerk? Or is he part of Nick's gang? What's going to happen next? Cut to Morgan being in the principal's office on his first day of school. Principal starts going over his resume or his, his school record, realizing that he's a really smart kid, uh, but he's a troubled kid. Well, he, he went to some, some pretty prestigious private schools, I yes. guess, up in Connecticut. Yes, and 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 but then the principal comments on his like present attitude is not necessarily, you know, acceptable at this school, right? And and he's not going to take any shit from Morgan basically is what he's saying. And Morgan, you can't tell if he's if he's trying to be cool or if he's like or if he just is cool, again, mystery character, and you don't know where it's going to go. So yeah, eventually the principal's like, "Okay, well, you better not be a problem at our school," essentially is what is what he says. And uh, and then you cut to his first class of the day where they're watching a Western. I guess it's a history class, <laughs> yeah. which he wanted to cruise through on his bicycle. And uh, Robert Downey Jr. is sitting right behind him. And he pulls out the blade and gives it to Morgan. And like, you know, the teacher's like, what's going on over there? And and he's oh, we were just discussing um, our favorite book, Call of the Wild. <laughs> and and um, Robert, Downey Jr., Robert Downey Jr. says, uh, or Jimmy says, I, I, I didn't really get it. And that's kind of supposed to be funny, right? Guess. But you realize at this point, Jimmy is like a sweet character, yeah, and he wants to be friends with Morgan, yeah, which is really cool. Like immediately, they have this little mini bond going on. Well, I've at this point, my note said, "Why is this entire movie ADR'd?" Like even even the principal scene with with James Spader and the principal was ADR'd, yeah. and I was like, "That's weird." I wonder if they're just not getting a good sound there. But um, this was ADR'd. This whole scene was ADR'd, probably because it looks like the projector was really running while they were filming so that would have been terrible for the sound yeah but you know how every movie um within the first 15 minutes of the film is you're gonna see like what the movie is about yes you know and i was like is this it is it because the whole is this um uh, not cops room but like this cowboy shootout that they're showing in they're talking about like how cowboys what they used to do how it was like a lawless land blah 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 it's all background bullshit kind of rebel stuff yeah rebel stuff but i'm like at the same time i'm like is this the thesis of the movie is this what they're sort of pushing towards us um and then just knowing that conceit that all sort of movies put their thesis in the first 15 minutes i moved forward assuming that it was because other like anytime especially if you insert like somebody watching something in um in in the first 15 minutes that's what it is yeah you hope that it has some context exactly to the, to the story and it's <laughs> yeah. not just bullshit yeah unless it's bullshit and i and this is a very cliched scene and that they use it all the time in 
high school dramas where they're watching some sort of movie on a projector. Right. Because we all, rem- 80s kids all remember the bad projector playing mm-hmm. and like the boring ass movie, but it obviously has context. Yeah. And then that's, yeah, I figured that it, it was probably a big deal. And yeah. so I kind of really was trying to pay attention to that aspect of it. Like well, me what too. was happening there. Yeah. That was really cool that uh, knowing now what the movie's about, it, it was a really cool way to set up the rest of the film, in my opinion. Sure. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah. And Jimmy's like, you know, I, I'm playing at a club tonight. You should come along and invite him to a club. And Morgan's like okay cool you know like kind of like a nice setup to the to the the next the second act of the movie and and then from there we go the i guess the day is over (laughs) because i have a feeling they didn't have much too much time to shoot at this school i'm wondering if they shot like you know they had an hour to shoot again i want to know the history i wish there was a documentary on this no i i think um the next scene with the cars i think it's recess i think recess yeah i think he said recess or whatever that's right so i think it's still like midday ish yeah, 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 you're right, totally. But again, they probably had an hour to shoot there. <laughs> and they're going outside, and who do you see outside but Nick and his gang, and Nick has Frankie, and Nick is riding Morgan's awesome 10-speed, his, like, Quicksilver 10-speed, and Frankie's on the handlebars of it. While while his two buddies are driving their awesome, awesome Mustang and Camaro, doing, like, sur- actually looked kind of dangerous, like, as far as, like, stunt work goes. Really dangerous. Because um, the, the, the two leads, there's no stunt people there. They are riding the bike in the middle of these two cars, like, driving around them, and there were a couple shots where the cars were picking up speed, and, you know, it was, it looked to me like it was a lot to coordinate and i noticed that on imdb this movie won an award for best like it best stunt work at from the stuntman awards yeah so that right there i was like okay i wonder if that was that scene because it it clearly took a lot of coordination for no actors to get hurt in that scene right there, especially yep. on, I'm sorry, especially on the long shots where you actually, you know, not on like the close up stuff, but like there's, it starts like an establishing long shot yeah. and they're doing some real speed spinning around. And if anyone messed up, like I think someone could have gotten hurt there. So. Oh yeah. It looks really dangerous and you feel the tension. And again, for anyone who's ever been bullied in school or just, you know, uh, or seen that go on, you really connect to what Morgan's feeling right now because yeah. he's clearly pissed off. But you're not just going to roll up there and say, give me my bike back. But he kind of actually does. He yeah. just rolls up there and he's like, I want my bike back. Well, you know? well I love the fact he actually didn't say anything nope, nope. this entire scene. Yep. Uh, he rolls up, almost gets killed, like almost gets run over in the process, but he doesn't stop. And then he rolls up, gets sprayed in the face uh, by the guy with the spray paint can. Yeah, Mickey. And then, yeah, and then from that point on like the other you know they're talking to him they're saying should you give him do you want me to give him his bike back you know mix or nick's uh you know egging the crowd on and i loved how he was just staring at frankie the yeah, whole time the whole time he's he was staring just at looking at frankie and i was like this is so fucking awesome i he didn't say one word james spader doesn't say even when his his bike gets fucked up yep. and everything and he kind of has to like walk away he doesn't even walk away like sheepishly no. he just he just he just takes it and goes and i loved how like the entire time he was just I fucking Kim Richards. Yeah, he was. Uh, well, you know, her character is really interesting because she's in the beginning where she tries to grift the guy for money. And then when they first see Morgan at school, she's kind of being a jerk and putting her makeup on and, and, and just being like a gang chick, you know, and clearly Nick's chick because he even says they make some illusion that they're together. And um, in this scene, she's again being kind of this gang bitchy chick and but something clicks in her eye when she makes eye contact with Morgan she feels uncomfortable and she 
I think it's an excellent piece of acting because she goes from being really cocky and stuck up to almost like really sweet and innocent mm-hmm. in that saint. And it's all just a facial gesture. And she's so good with that. And I think I, that's why her character and the, her acting throughout this whole movie is really good because it makes sense. She's like this gang girl, but she doesn't want to be the gang girl. Yeah. Or does she? You don't know yet. Yeah. You don't know yet. Dude, Kim Richards is fantastic in this film. I, at this point, I wish I had seen more of her back in the eighties because she is spectacular. Yeah, she yeah she's she's a real iconic blonde beauty from the eighties, in my opinion, like teen blonde beauty. You know, yeah. where you're just like, oh, that's the that's my dream girl. That's every guy wanted to be with a dream girl back in the. And she, that's what the dream girl looked <laughs> and like. And dude, her hair was like down to her ass, and it was yeah. crimped the and entire way. <laughs> yeah, and it's her hair; it's not extensions. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's but, impressive. But dude, it's crazy because this movie is eighties fashion apocalypse. Yes, which sadly, <laughs> sadly today it almost feels current because there's so much like eighties fashion actually happening. Yeah, that this movie almost feels current because of it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the, 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 everything from the from top to bottom, yeah. the weird like painter hats that people used to wear back yeah. in the day to the you know the tight jeans with like uh, pegs at the bottom and stuff like that. It's all feels current now. And I saw some lady walk out like an extra walk out of a classroom. I think the scene right before this, and she was wearing like a romper, and I was like, <laughs> that looks exactly like I would be watching someone in, in North Hollywood walk down the street. Yeah. And you know, it, it totally, totally. It's crazy, dude. Just <laughs> retro stuff is just crazy. I think, and, and I want to bring the retro bomber jacket back because Morgan's bomber jacket's so fresh. And that's how they recognize him earlier on is they, they see, oh, they see the guy with the slash on his back. Right. That's what gives it away. But yeah, he gets the, uh, he gets his bike back. Like you said, he doesn't have to say a damn thing. And then suddenly they're like, you know, this isn't going to be that easy. And the car, that sweet Camaro, that muscle car is revving him down for a game of chicken. And Morgan's just not even flinching. And the Camaro's coming down towards him, kind of hit him hit him or the bike or both. And Morgan holds onto the bike, doesn't flinch. And you see the Camaro just lift the bike off into the air. The bike gets trashed, and Morgan didn't even move. Yeah, and it had some cool editing. This movie, in general, has a lot of interesting editing choices going on, especially in like this transition later at the club. Yeah. Um, but the editing work in this film makes it it's very interesting. I'm not going to go out and say it was like genius or anything, but it adds a layer of fun to the film. Yeah, it's well done. It's yeah. really well done. It makes you... It, it, Good editing, good cinematography make you enjoy the movie that much more and with good music. And great leads. Yes, and great acting, great leads and great acting. Everything feels real. Yeah, that scene felt to me was like, oh, that's the showdown they were talking about in the class with the gunfighters and all that. Right. And you see they cut to Frankie's face and she like looks guilty as shit. And, everyone, and Nick's gang's laughing and he picks up his bike and Jimmy like looks so sad for him. And at this point, I'm not quite sure like what the threat level is. Um I, I, it's it's a little bit different than class of 1984 and I'm gonna try to not use a lot of references but it's, <laughs> it's okay. hard it's hard to make not make references to class of 1984 with this but I, I feel like I feel like with class of 84 I knew sort of more right away like sort of what the stakes were yeah um, although it did kind of ramp up here I wasn't quite sure like Nick Nick looks like your typical gang scumbag. Yeah. And he certainly pre- behaves that way about 80% of the time in this film. Yeah. But there are a 
20% that he, I'm like, uh, is he has just a smidge of not the worst human on the planet. Yeah. Just a smidge, you know? And, just a smidge. And, and it's not going to at all take away from what he does later or, yeah. and it, you know, like, meaning like, it's not going to justify what he does later. He's still a, a bad piece of shit, like, character. Yeah. But they make some choices early on that made me question if he was perfectly evil i guess well and i think this is the beginning beginning for me where i agree with you where i looked at him and, and thought well because you know morgan's you know like you said i fucking uh frankie yeah and i'm thinking well if this was my girl and i was and and i was the boyfriend i'd be pissed too well it's I'd a be- it's a running theme it's a running theme that nick doesn't seem to be aware of yeah. him i fucking and like all of his friends are the ones that have to tell him <laughs> they're like dude yes look, look at your girl so i gotta no. say you know what if you really loved uh, frankie you should have paid more attention to oh, her i totally agree i'm you just know? i'm just in that moment like thinking okay well in his mind everything he does is justified well and right? and i completely agree with you there as well because if, if for truthfully, like it is a dick move for James Spader yeah. to be hitting on Frankie when I mean, obviously that's not anyone's property. A woman's not anyone's property, no. but like, and that you know, gets brought up later on too. Yeah, and and that's 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 fine. And obviously Frankie can do whatever she wants, but like, it's a dick move for a guy to hit on another guy's girl, yeah. especially right in front right of in front them. of her. But Morgan doesn't give a shit. He doesn't. And and I will say at the end of that scene, which actually goes on for quite a while, it just because I think they want the impact to feel what's going on with all the characters. Um, it reminded me at that point. Yeah. I, I was like, where, where's this movie going to go? Is it going to go really dark and class of 1984 ask, or is it going to go more karate kid, which came out around the same time. And we're going to have this showdown with the Cobra Kai kind of deal. Like where, where are we going with this? And, it, and it's very ambiguous in that sense. Cause you're like, okay, this is just a normal teen drama at this point. Right. 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 So we cut back from that point on, we go back to Morgan's house and Morgan's working on his bike and his mom walks into his, he's working on his bike in his bedroom and his mom walks in and his mom just lays in on him immediately. Like, uh, is it starting all over again? Setting up the idea that he's has a bad reputation. He's a bad, he's bad boy. He's bad boy. And, um, she's just pissed off. And I get that from being a parent's perspective. Like, Oh, you're just pissed off that your kid is going down the same road that score, like making trouble for himself again. And she's just pissed, right? And now, as a teacher, would you say that that if you had James Spader's character as a, a kid, would your takeaway be like he's just too smart? He needs he just doesn't he needs to be stimulated. Like yeah. he needs a different level of curriculum. Like he's just yeah. he's too smart. He's a smart guy. And I think him having the poster of Albert Einstein on the wall, I think that's supposed to show that he's. I mean, he's just not smart. He's supposed to be very high level intelligence. Yeah, he's he's a really yeah, and that and clearly he needs to be stimulated. His mom is not giving him the support she needs to give him because well, she puts he puts she puts everything into his older brother yeah. what it looks like Brian. and then yeah and then he, james spader's character is like but i don't want to be that yeah you know she, I, yeah he wants to be his own man she clearly has her own sights set on what he should or shouldn't be right and he doesn't want to live up to like what she wants to be yeah and, and she's pissed off at him she's giving him this idea of like well she's the negative parent and the dad's going to be the positive parent yeah but at the same time i don't think she was the worst mom like no. the worst movie mom we've ever seen um i i think she was just just a like a normal mom trying to deal with a kid that's she she can't relate to she yeah. i don't 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 think she understands morgan at all you just nailed it yeah she can't relate to morgan at all she relates to her other son. Which we'll and well, because later. her other son is very pleasing. He's yeah. he lo- you know he's 
yeah, we'll get to him when, when we get to him. <laughs> he's, he's got a, oh yeah, we'll get to that. So from there, we cut to the club where Robert Downey Jr. is playing drums in Jim Carroll's band. If you don't know who Jim Carroll is, Jim Carroll, um, there's a movie based on, I think it's book called The Basketball Diaries that um, Leonardo DiCaprio starred in. It's his life. It's his life as a poet, heroin addicted, Wait, writer. Does the lead singer to, yeah. to that band is somebody? Because yeah. my note on on him was the lead singer of, our, of Robert Downey Jr.'s band is ugly as sin. <laughs> Well, Jim Carroll is a really famous writer, and is he also a musician? I mean, clearly he's a musician. Yeah. Did, did he? What's his? Does he have a band? What was he? Did he? He died. I think he died. I may be wrong about this, but I think he died in two thousand seven. Why is he in Tough Turf? Um, well, because he was like an underground poet beat guy, you know, where everybody like. Um, I'm trying to think of other kind of cool. He's like a Lou Reed in that sense of like that cool vibe, like, um, you and, know, brooding. And, so and both of these movies that you, you picked, uh, both have these like concert scenes. Yeah. In, yeah. In, and yeah. I'm like, Zach, buddy, you, you definitely have something that you like here. Well, yeah, because you know? I'm listening to, the, <laughs> listening to the music and I'm like, okay, first of all, all three songs, because Jim Carroll's song that they're playing right now is so badass. Yeah. And it actually sounds live the way they're playing it. And the band is cool, and there's like this cool, almost American bandstand punk version uh, dance sequence that goes on in this. But then, that, why is a high schooler playing drums for them for a professional band? Yeah, it's well, yeah, and which I think is really badass because Robert Downey Jr. looks like he can play the drums really well. Yeah, I know he can sing really well. I didn't know he could play the drums too. And they're in this weird warehouse that's very similar to the club in 1994. Yeah. And I'm watching both, and I'm going, oh yeah, there is a connection there. <laughs> well, and and then I'm thinking, okay, because I'm in a band, and I'm like, I want to cover. Every song in that is in this movie, I want to do a Tough Turf cover album because maybe, I, yeah, I just love the idea of musical numbers in movies. I think it's, I'm not a huge fan of musicals per se, but I like musical numbers in movies, and, if that makes sense. And isn't Streets of Fire a musical? Streets of Fire is kind of a musical too, yeah. Huh. yeah. I, I think we're, this is interesting. I mean, Zach and I have been friends for, um, what, Over eight? 10 years? Yeah, yeah, probably over 10 years, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and this podcast is definitely allowing both of us to peel back the onion, onion layers. <laughs> Guys, I recommend uh, our friends at Friday Five Podcast, uh, Brent and Eric, they, uh, you can just tell their friendship goes back way far, right? I think anyone with their friends should do a podcast yeah. with their friend at some point because you learn a lot about your friends when, yeah, you, my, when you do this. My, <laughs> my quote-unquote skeletons in my closet aren't necessarily skeletons. They're They're, they're just... Amazing weird movies, <laughs> weird amazingism movies. Because come on, if you're gonna, if you say, "Oh wow, I never knew Zach liked Class of 1984, Tough Turf, and Streets of Fire, and musical." Oh yeah, yeah. There's a theme there. There's a running theme there. I, we're gonna have to do Streets of Fire, bro. Oh no doubt, no doubt about it. And maybe Eddie and the Cruisers, but uh, no, that was PG. But we'll get to that. Maybe I'll save that for a two dollar late fee. With there you yeah. go. There you go. <laughs> so yeah, they're playing in the club, and uh, Morgan is hitchhiking to get to the club because he doesn't have a bike and he's he's trying to go out at night. And he... Can I do this? <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> what happens next, Corey? And so in the middle of the city... <laughs> this it, is awesome. It looks... I mean, it looks like they're in Van Nuys or something. Yeah, totally Van Nuys, like Lancashire yeah. type shit. And dude, like a convertible 
Porsche. A cherry convertible Porsche. It's just sitting there with its top down and the keys in the ignition. And I'm like... As one is. I'm like, bro, this isn't like 1930 Kansas. You know, like like where you could leave your doors unlocked or something. I don't <laughs> And the I don't key know, in the ignition. Yeah, At least put it in here the... over, like, what is that? The visor. That was, that was a <laughs> bit much. I mean, I like where this thread goes. I like what happens with it. And, and I like how he uses the car. Yeah. But they should have had him hotwire it or something yeah I, well i guess question maybe maybe they included all those circumstances on purpose because if he say he broke into the car then he looks like the scumbag say he hotwires the car he looks like the scumbag but if you see it where it's the top is down the key is in is is in the ignition you're almost like he's not a scumbag he's just like i mean i think I don't know. Would all of us maybe just go for a joyride with yeah, this car? He's, he's not the dudes from uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah. But, but, I mean, but if you're going to leave the top down in your key in every, the ignition. Every 80s fantasy. You get what? the girl and Who the Porsche. Who does that? Who the fuck does? That guy deserves to have his car stolen. <laughs> deserves. Some, for some reason, the guy driving that car, I feel like is, well, relevant to the movie would be his brother's the the brother uh, Morgan's brother or the the douche from um just one of the guys who plays uh you know the lead bad guy yeah. asshole yeah. you know that it would be one of those guys William Zabka or something like that or uh, but yeah like a guy who does some a bouffant blonde you know but it's like also too it's on a street where all the businesses are closed down, yeah. and it's so it's not like the guy or girl, whatever, uh, ran into like the Seven Eleven and just left their car. Where the car's not even running; it was just sitting there off with freaking yeah. Actually, that's the only sense that makes to me is that the guy ran into a Seven Eleven to get a quart of milk. Yeah, and he's he'll be right back. Right, and and so my only takeaway is that all of those circumstances <laughs> were done on purpose yes. to make James Spader's character not seem as much because when you think about it. He is a dick for taking it. He's, a, he's well, not. He's, a he's not. A, he's not a perfect hero. He's not a perfect protagonist in this film. He's an angsty teen. Yeah, he's playing an angsty teen who who's torn between two worlds. Right, the world of the uppity rich snobby. Uh, I get everything I want. Class and the idea of like. Well, I'm a real guy, and I'm just trying to do the right thing. Yeah, but he's torn between both of those. Like, I get what I want versus. I should be do what's right. Right. And right. then I think his character probably when he saw the keys in the car like that, he's like, he's probably like, I mean, come on, guy. <laughs> Some guy in Cape Cod I should have written, you know. You're asking up. for it. Yeah. <laughs> so we cut back to the club and, and the, the, the band finishes their awesome song. Um, yeah, I think it's called Vision. That's the name of the song. And then after that, uh, I remember uh, Jim Carroll says, uh, he's like, well, you know, we'll be back for a few more for more tales from the crypt or something i just love that line i'm just like this guy's so cool it's such a badass song and like he's got a cool image about him and as everyone's leaving the stage really you know looking all swag and cool jimmy knocks over the drums and he can tell he's like a big buffoon lovable the lovable jimmy and he meets like this this girl's waiting for him at the end of the bottom of the stage and she's i don't want to degrade degrade anyone uh but i would consider her to be kind of not the very most pleasant looking girl at the club. Yeah, no. And I, I wouldn't even call her a girl. She looked like an old woman. <laughs> yeah. Sadly. yeah. It's a really odd casting. Yeah. It's like they took the most vile looking chick. But uh, it, it was a weird little character moment because he like smiles at her, but then he kind of walks, you know, past her. And I'm like, they didn't need to include any no. of this Jimmy stuff. <laughs> no, they didn't. And I'm I'm wondering because there's a, an hour and a half cut on YouTube, but you and I watched the hour and 50 minute cut. And I'm wondering what was 
was cut from it. Yeah, there's all. I didn't even know there was an hour and a half cut because I, I know there's two different. Ver- there's like a German version and the American version, and the only difference is that one of the songs, the vocals are changed. Okay, it. okay. That's the only thing I know about it. Um, but yeah, I'm wondering like they gave more scenes to, to Jimmy to make it a little lighter. Yeah. If you take out Robert Downey's scenes, this movie becomes a much darker film. I you think. definitely need his energy there. It, yep. it it makes the movie very more lighthearted. Yes. So uh, and and this is where they included that uh, when cut to James Spader over there, right? Like yep. it's it was such a weird quad smash cut it does this weird like four swipes or something yeah. did you notice that yeah it does yeah it's weird it doesn't it, it feels like it uh they must have fixed this in post or something like that or, or i think it was just a stylized thing um it was it was some kind of just yeah it was really weird but i was like oh that was and they never did any kind of weird cuts like that later um but yeah i don't know the editor had fun with this yeah, movie that's yes, for sure for sure and then from that scene we yeah we cut to morgan chilling with jim carroll and robert downey jr and they're you know kind of bro time hanging out and then morgan sees frankie walk in and cut to them dancing like he grabs her in this uh, 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 a music montage scene number three now i think we're up to guys and gals this scene was i think the scene that i was just like i love this movie it's, <laughs> oh, it, awesome, it, dude. it solidified awesome. it and I'm, I'm not a musical guy no. i'm not a big dancer guy yeah. but this scene was so much fun with him dancing with frankie so aggressively but yet nicely at the same time and you know like it even comes in later that you know frankie knows how to dance uh and yeah. i think that helps but it's like this it's it's really interesting uh, how they play this out and there's all kinds of dance numbers going on around them and it never feels like a musical. It never feels no. like anything is staged. Yeah. It feels like it's these dance numbers are, are happening with the, the people organically there and then James Spader and uh, uh, Kim Richards are kind of just like doing their thing and she keeps trying to get away from them and she kind of gets bounced back into them because of other people. It's just so much fun. It's frenetic. It's, it's just, it's, there's a lot all kinds of movement happening you're trying to track what he's saying you're trying to track the music you're trying to track what's going on then again again nick not paying any attention just having fun his <laughs> he's two, having a fun rocking out his two cronies are the ones that <laughs> yeah. spot you know yeah. frankie dancing with so he, it's like it's his piece of crap friends are like always <laughs> are they like are they like in love with frankie because they're always clocking her man well, yeah and they have some moments later on in the movie where you almost feel like it, they would not be the worst of guys and maybe they're not the worst of guys they're just with this head honcho dude that's yeah. dictating what they should and shouldn't do yeah unlike class of 1984 this yeah. gang does not feel as dangerous as those no and and, and they're they seem they seem like just you know out of sorts high school kids. Yeah. Versus 1984 where they were like full on gang dudes. And and but I will say that Nick druggies Nick goes further. Like he I think he starts more that way, but then by the end of this he goes fully you know bad guy. Yeah, and this this is they're the stereotypical. Well, these are the guys that never leave town. Uh, they graduate high school and they get a dead end job and they're and they're alcoholics and they're miserable the rest of their lives. Those are the characters they play. Right. But as as they're scoping and they're trying to find Morgan through this amazing dance sequence, uh, it's really funny because at one point Morgan grabs Mickey, the spray paint guy, and starts dancing with him. It's that hilarious. Was my, that was my favorite part. Yeah. Because the spray paint, Mickey was like, hey, uh, I, but he was like, he's doing it too. <laughs> yeah, and, I know. For like he a totally second. goes along with yeah, it. Because you can tell for like a second, and I'm sure that's you know, the actor, but you know the character is probably like, oh, oh, it, this is nice. This is fun. Wait a minute. No, no, I shouldn't be doing this. I 
I should not be having, I should not be dancing with the guy I'm supposed to kick this shit out yeah, of. But for a minute, for yeah. one second, they were having fun together. Totally. <laughs> and I will go back to what you said earlier about like, uh, the, it didn't feel like a musical. In my opinion, it, the best musical numbers in movies are the ones where it doesn't feel forced. It right. feels very natural. Right. And um, this, yeah, this totally connected with the scene. And, you know, Nick's gang finally moves in on Morgan and they get him. Then they take him outside and they start beating the shit out of him. Yeah. Like really pounding him. And that was to me the first moment where I'm like, ooh, they're not just hitting him once and they're going down. My brother used to tell me when I was a kid, he's like, you know what? You only need to get hit once and you're out. All that fighting in movies is so fake because they, they don't, you don't keep punching a guy over and over again. Which yeah. is, I guess, true, but I've never really been in a full-on fight like that, so I wouldn't know. Nor do I want to be. No, no, that, no interest. No. no interest whatsoever. But uh, what did Mike Tyson say? Everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the nose. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> That's great. That's a great line. I love that. Um, but Morgan keeps up with his mockery of the guys, you know? And he's like, what? What are you, what are you pissed off that I danced with your, with your guy, Nick? <laughs> or you, know? yeah, you want another dance? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I, I love that little comeback. <laughs> and and this, I wrote this down in the 32-minute mark because it's not as obvious as they say it is on IMDb. But this, as they're beating the shit out of him, um, Robert Downey Jr. comes out of the club to look for Jimmy. And, he, and then over to the right of the screen, it's spray-painted. It says, The New Avengers. I saw that. Yeah. Okay, cool. Cool. What, that, what was that? Was that anything? It was cool. I mean, it wasn't connected, obviously, clearly to who they are now. So I don't actually know this answer, but when you go and you film in a location, do you use the spray paint that's already there? Like, you know what I mean? The graffiti that's already there? Or do you, like, make your own? I think it's a little bit of both because eventually all you have to do is paint over it. Right. You know? So, um, so yeah, I'd love to know the history. Again, there's nothing really written on this thing. Uh, where where did that come from? But it's just a cool moment yeah. for, for us geeky nerds who are like, oh, my God, it's, it's a foreshadow. Ooh, yeah, didn't we know? little did we know that 30 years later he's going to be playing Iron Man. <laughs> 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 yeah, okay, whatever. Oh, and then he's Ultron. Goo, goo. And, and it's funny because uh, my wife and I both remarked that uh, older, mature Robert Downey Jr. looks so much better than young, weird, thick-neck Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> yeah, well, I think there was a lot of—well, knowing Jim Carroll had a heroin addiction, and, mm. and I know Robert Downey Jr. had a heroin addiction, uh. black tar heroin— Let's not forget the fact that Robert Downey Jr. was a major drug addict. Yeah. Like, where he climbed in some person's house and slept on their floor. Yeah, dude. I mean, like, uh, uh, I mean, uh, now the MCU and Iron Man have really changed, like, his persona. But Robert Downey Jr. is all, like, as long as I've been alive, he's always been up and down, up and down. Yeah. And he's gotten so many breaks with with Hollywood over and over. And he knows it, too. That's what I like about Robert Downey Jr. He knows that... Like, you know, and, and I think he's been clean forever now. Oh, yeah. You know? And I think he knows that Iron Man was was a huge deal for him. It, it brought him sort of back because I think right before Iron Man, he was he did Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. And he wasn't even like big at that point. He That was like still like his comeback. And Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is a fantastic movie. Everyone oh, yeah. should watch that. That's yeah. hilarious. Robert, it's one of my favorite Robert Downey Jr. movies. Yeah. Um, but uh, I love him as Iron Man, dude. I I mean, he's I, Iron Man. He's I Tony love, Stark. I love Robert Downey Jr., I've always liked him. I've always liked him as an actor. I thought he was great in Chaplin. I've always loved Robert Downey Jr. I'm just glad we're living in a time where he's he's alive. Because well, yeah. there, you know that there's an alternate reality where he died, right? Like yeah. from an overdose or totally. something. It could have happened a million times. Totally. We are lucky to live in a time where he is 
Iron Man. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, this movie, and like I said, he's done a few movies prior to this. It wasn't his first movie, but he's an exceptionally talented person. And it's just nice to hear a success story because there's so many successfully uh, equally talented people that have died from drug addictions and he didn't these are the people who died died oh, dude oh and that's a great song <laughs> and i know too. i know that song from uh the dawn of the dead remake yes yes absolutely um yeah we're <laughs> yeah you're like uh yeah we'll get to that <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll get to uh, we're getting there uh. so anyways back to the movie nick back to the hotel uh nick takes uh sees the porsche takes the porsche from morgan drives off with it morgan's got a big smirk on his face because he knows he stole it and jimmy's like man they took your car and he's like i don't own a car <laughs> yeah, i love so that. great <laughs> that such a great like quick line yep. and morgan delivers it uh, spader is such he's so subtle in his acting and it's kind of one note most of the time and they're driving off and then you see the cops pull all mm-hmm. pull him over and it's like oh it's so great what a great revenge that right there is a fantastic revenge yeah it's so phenomenal and then from that point on, it's like cut to the next. It's a very short scene. It's now we're back at school, and um, you know Morgan can. Well, Morgan, this is your uh, moment where Morgan opens up his locker, and there's a dead rat, right? Yeah. And I did I text you? I go, you love movies where <laughs> where animals get killed and strung up in schools. Yeah. And I said, no, that's not true. Whoa. Oh, <laughs> I've got to. I mean, I love it's, animals. It's not as much of a <laughs> profound scene as in Class of 1984. No. But yet we still have a you know a a, a, a musical number. You know, it's just it, this <laughs> yeah. is insane, bro. It's yeah. it's insane. I almost wish these. You know, you put. Terrorvision in between these two. I almost <laughs> wish we should have had them back to back. But but if you're listening to this, you can clearly just go, you know, you can go all over the place. You can clearly go, Zach's got a type. <laughs> Zach's got a... Then I started thinking about it. I'm like, oh, wait, Fright Night has a musical number in it. Uh, there's an animal that gets killed in it. It's a werewolf, but whatever. It's still a wolf. Um, but yeah, Morgan, Morgan has a dead rat in his locker, clearly from one of Nick's gang members, put it in there. Um, uh-huh. Frankie's saying how they, they told... Uh, Frankie's telling Morgan that Nick's in jail, and that's kind of the end of that scene. We cut into the next moment, and Morgan's back at home, and his douche brother, I wrote douche brother, uh, Brian, (laughs) is sweet. Dude, me too. In my notes, I go, my note says, Brian is a douche. Brian is a douche. So you're cutting back to Morgan's (laughs) house. And he even has the the sweater. He's got a yellow, like, it's not even yellow. It's like a cream-colored, cream-yellow uh, eggshell, oh, douchey God. V-neck sweater, and he's talking to his sweet talking his mom. His mom's so happy that Bri Bri's home. Hey, Little well, Bri he's home from school, right? He's yes. a doctor or a lawyer. He's or a something? lawyer. Yeah, okay. he's training to be a lawyer. So is is he the reason that the families moved from Connecticut so that he could go to school no. at like UCLA or something? No, it's it, it gets later revealed that I'll just jump ahead for this. It gets later revealed that Morgan's dad like lost a bunch of money. I think. Uh, yeah, I think he, when he was he was telling Frankie about it or something, something like that. I feel like the, he lost a bunch of money. Well, I know he was, he was taking the, the real estate exam for LA and he said it wasn't that bad. And that's why he's driving the the cab at night while he's saving it for the real estate. I feel like there was a connection in there. I I didn't pick up anything. I didn't, or I mean, I might've missed it, but I thought I was paying attention, but I could not figure out why they were there and like, you know, if they were rich or not, because they talk a lot about yachts in Connecticut. Um, I think maybe the mom, like, they don't have the money that they used to, but the mom is still, like, dreaming about that lifestyle. Yeah, she's waxing nostalgic about uh, about the 
you know, being on the on the boat and everything like that. And super douchey, yacht rock people. Like yeah. you're like, oh, clearly these are like rich white people, annoying. You're not really supposed to like the mom, even though she has some moments later on. We're like, okay, she's not that bad. Yeah. Morgan walks in and he kind of pulls a dick move. He's like, hey, I really need to borrow your car to Brian. And Brian's like, you know, I'm not going to – no, you can't borrow the car. And Morgan well, kind of storms off all huffy yeah, puffy. And, and I was – like, wait, dude, you just saw your brother and that's the first thing out of your mouth? Yeah, and that that was my thing. <laughs> right after writing Brian's a douche, I was like, wait a minute. James Spader's kind, kind of a dick dude. too. Yeah, he's kind of a dick. And, and But Brian even goes – he's like, I'm taking mom out. Like we're, I'm going out with mom. And um, later yeah. he's like – but I, he's like, any other time, yes, I would have totally let you borrow the car. But right now I can't. Yeah. And, uh, uh, Morgan's all pissed and runs away. And I'm <laughs> yeah. like – and yeah. I'm like, okay – Okay, visually Brian's a douche, but he's actually maybe not. That's that's the thing that I'm starting to track with this film that I find interesting is that they tell you somebody is a certain way yeah. either visually, but then they then they kind of like do something to make that person a little bit more rounded to say, "Hey, even if you never really see Brian, we want to see him one more time." Um it's like yeah, you get the sense that these are real people with things like everyone. We all have multiple facets to our personality. Of course, you know, yeah. none of us are purely douches. None of us are purely good. I'm an asshole, and I'm a nice guy. To, <laughs> and you're an asshole, but you're a nice guy too. So yeah. you're a little bit nicer than I'm. A little bit more of an asshole, but you know, I'm, the, I'm a, we're all Gemini's at heart. Yeah, I well, think. yeah and the point is, <laughs> is that we all have little weird, you know, all things of our personality, and that's what I, this movie. It did not try to do cardboard cutouts, no. but at the same time, it didn't give me as much meat as I wanted to for some of these characters. Yeah, I feel like Morgan. Yeah, I, at that point, I realized, oh, I'm kind of stereotyping these people because they look like douches, but they're not douches. <laughs> and um, I always felt the word douche, by the way, is a horrible thing. Like you shouldn't use it in a negative way because it's a cleaning device. You know? It's actually a good thing. <laughs> yeah, I always call them shit bags, so I'm just gonna say shit bag. I think okay. shit bag is like for me the worst thing you can call somebody because no one wants to be a bag of shit. Someone <laughs> could want to be a douche potentially. <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, anyways. So, yeah, I'm like, oh, I'm totally stereotyping this guy. Maybe he's not so bad after all. And after, if you think about it, other scenes that he's in, he's not necessarily bad. He's just at a different level or place than Morgan yeah. is. Morgan is, like, so angry at the world. And and clearly, like, he's got just, just – he needs therapy is what he needs. And he needs a few books to stimulate him. But he storms off, and he's walking the streets, and then he sees the – Nick's Camaro from earlier, that rust-colored piece, you know, beautiful beast, and it's following him, and it chases him down the street in a great chase scene. Oh, awesome chase. Awesome yeah, I love this chase scene. It was very fun. Yeah. It was, I didn't know where it was going to go. With this, like, pulse-pounding drum beat going on, and, and Morgan tries to hop a fence, and there's barbed wire at the top of it. This, I'm like, oh, that's North Hollywood. <laughs> that's Van Eyes. Yeah. Um, and and he falls off the fence on the ground, and the car stops sideways. And who gets out but Jimmy? <laughs> I'm just joking. I just ran you down the street and almost gave you a freaking heart attack. I almost killed you. You're fun, buddy. Just being fun. You could have broken your neck on that fence, but hey, dude, let's go for a ride. And uh, <laughs> and of course, James Spader's like, I'm driving. <laughs> yeah, I know. And they both like kind of laugh, like, yeah, it's all good. And th- th- while they're in the car, that's when Morgan and Jimmy are bonding. And I think that's the moment, and I'll, I'd have to go back and watch, but I'm pretty sure that's the moment where Morgan's telling Jimmy, like, things are not things were, are not good for my family right now. Like, they were rough and we had to move out here. And my dad's, we're rebuilding our lives, okay. essentially. And I think he even alludes to, like, him being the cause of that or something like that. Okay. Um, and Jimmy's like, well, I, you know, my brother was in a gang with Nick and, 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 
and he got kicked out of the gang, I think. And so he's like, then I got it. I got the car. Okay. So, I mean, I, I watched the movie, but I must have, I must have been taking notes or something because yeah. this exchange wasn't, uh, it's not ringing like a lot of bells and it's a short scene. Yeah. Which, which I must've just, you know, zoned out for a second, which sucks because at the same time, I didn't quite pick up later with like Jimmy's brother, you know, who that guy was yeah. when, you know, Morgan just rolls in and be like, yeah, tell Jimmy where this is, you know? And I was <laughs> yeah. like, okay. Yeah. But okay. So Jimmy's brother was with Nick at some point and that's how Jimmy got the car. Yeah. That's how Jimmy got the car. Because right now Nick's in jail. Yeah. Nick's in jail. For, for the whole Porsche scenario. Yeah. Okay. But for probably not for long, clearly. And, uh, and so, and then it cuts to Frankie. Uh, at at a burger place, which I'm sure is a total shithole now, because all the places that they filmed that in LA at that time were probably very kind of innocent and sweet, but now they're probably just dumps, you know, yeah. like Jimmy's Burgers or like yeah, whatever, just well, trashy the, the trash scene, holes. The scene started kind of weird because it did this weird close-up pan across the burger uh, sign. You know, it did like yeah. it kind of the camera kind of pans across <laughs> yeah. burgers. Oh, and I'm let's like, go there. I'm like, why did we need that five-second cut when it cuts right to them eating burgers? And I'm like, I think we could have picked up on that they're yeah. at a burger joint, but they they included like. A, a solid like 15 second cut of of this camera moving across the burger sign didn't even give the name of like the restaurant just no. like burgers yeah just burgers i was it, like okay that was an interesting maybe choice. they were gonna give money to the movie then at the last minute they pulled out and they're like i ah, just cut the scene in half yeah pretty much <laughs> so so yeah the uh, frankie's there with her her bff ronnie and feather and they're the ladies are talking about morgan and and they're kind of just gossiping having a girl moment and uh, I forget, Feather said something to, to piss off Frankie and and like Frankie or no, no, Ronnie's like, uh, uh, Ronnie wants to finish her burger and Frankie's like smashes it in the ground. She's like, it's done. No, like, she didn't smash it in the ground. She smashed it into her face. That's right. Into and, her face. And then I wrote, that's a dick move right there. So know, like, so like at first, so like they start building up the fact that Frankie's not too bad and then she's a dick. Yeah, and she- then they start building, then they tell you that Brian's a douche, but then he's not really. Yeah. And then James Spader is supposed to be your protagonist, but he's not the nicest guy in the no, world. No. So it, all these characters have, they, they'll, they'll, it's, it's interesting. They all the, the the way the movie talks to you, it tells you one thing about a character and then their action does something else. And it's never so contradictory that you're like, oh whatever. It's more like, man, this is a layered a layered person, you yeah. know? <laughs> we we've all done things that we, you know, are kind of mean that we, you know, didn't maybe at the time intend for it we've to all be mean. Done. We've all done something we regret. Exactly. We've all done things in our past that we were and I I mean, I'm not too proud to admit that I've done shit that I'm like I should never have done that. Yeah, I should never have smashed my the, my friend's burger that she paid you know three dollars for into her face, messing up. You know, like that was Actually, a big move. Yeah, I was at, I was at uh, a slight segue. I was at Subway one time with my two buddies in high school, and um, I was where uh, I was like wearing light colored shirt, and my buddy had a meatball sandwich, and my other buddy Jamal like smashed the meatball sandwich on, <laughs> on Jeremy and the meatball shot at me in the chest. <laughs> and the rest, I mean, it was at lunchtime at high school. So the rest of the day I had a big old meatball turd stain on my shirt. <laughs> that's gold, bro. So that's, there you go. That's comedy gold right there. <laughs> Jamal, wherever you are, I love you. 
Um, okay, so anyways, we're, then uh, Morgan and Jimmy roll up in the in the car, and Frankie thinks it's Nick. Nick's out of jail, yay! And they go to run in the car. They open up the door, and holy shit, it's Morgan! What the hell are you doing in here? And they force the girls in the car. Well, Ronnie jumps in because yeah, she, she's in love with Jimmy. Yeah, she loves Jimmy. Loves Jimmy. But there's no like build up to that. I guess it's just she just she's like yeah. Yeah, well, I think uh, when they were in the club earlier, she, she was scoping was, on yeah, him. She was scoping on him, but uh, so clearly she had she made eyes on him, and um, and they're going at it. And immediately, so they jump in the back and just start making <laughs> out. And you're like, whoa, okay. And uh, and then Frankie's like, oh god, here we go, and she's all pissed off, which is understandable because yeah. it's not her boyfriend, yeah. And it's the dude that's been just ogling her, yeah. And they drive off and cue the next montage scene. Oh, and cue driving montage. Cue the greatest song I've ever heard. Where I I texted Zach, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, dude. What is it opposite? It's attract or what? Yes. Uh, what it's it's uh oh it, the lyrics go what do you what do you do when opposites attract or something like <laughs> yeah, that and dude. I'm like oh my god I texted Zach that I was like this song is insane yeah this soundtrack again I think we've we've mentioned it quite a few times now the soundtrack is fantastic yeah um, yeah this one is called breaking the rules oh when opposites attract you break the rules yeah breaking the rules okay and it's true you're breaking the rules of love in this movie and they certainly break the rules at the country club too yeah so yeah this is on their way to a country club and ronnie's like wow look at that lawn or something like that and and james spader's like it's a golf course (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) but uh and and then you know frankie's like just pissed off and annoyed and I totally makes sense. And they get to this club, the El Canyon country club, which is probably the Beverly Hills country club. They right. just had to rename it. And, um, they, they, he, Morgan's telling them that they have to dress up, you know? And so they're putting on their outfits and, uh, and they sneak in the place. I, I kept writing the doorman, but he's not the doorman. He's like he had the maitre d' or something. But I liked how James Spader handled the situation, you know? Cause oh, yeah. Then the backstory is like, you know, James Spader, he's from this world. So he knows kind of like what to say or yeah. whatever. But it's it's just a great like Ferris Bueller days off scenario where you just kind of shove your way in by yeah. just fast talking, you yeah. know? And the totally. person's like flabbergasted. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, he kind of pulled a fletch in a way. He's it, like, you know, I, oh, well, with the Underhill. Yeah, he didn't say exactly. That, <laughs> yes, if, if he said the Underhills, that would have been fantastic. <laughs> that would have been gold. If this was the same universe as Fletch, oh, oh my god. god, I would be so happy. Oh, but nineteen um, eighties, yeah, I love it. So, so, but question: <laughs> yeah, another please. band is is playing at the country club. So yeah, we cut in to mid like like midday. This yeah. is like midday on I think maybe a Saturday or something or yeah. a Friday. But they're not in school, so it must be the weekend. It must be the weekend. Um, and so a. a full-on band is just playing in the clubhouse or the dining hall of this like country club and i'm like okay <laughs> yeah it's it, the, the band i wrote down the uh it's the cheesiest cheesiest as fuck band i've ever seen it's like um the dan band kind of moment from uh old school yeah and this this band is so horribly cheeseball with all these horribly cheeseball stereotypical white you know, rich people. Fucking white it, people. It's so great because it, it's a total, this was like a parody moment. There's pure comedy gold throughout this entire uh, sequence. Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> I think the, the band, uh, the band's like going off and then Morgan like looks at um, Jimmy and, and, and uh, Ronnie and he's like, you know what to do. 
like and i wrote down they do like what what are they supposed to do which is to cause ruckus that's all they did was all four of them just dispersed yep. and just started eating other people's yeah. foods and Cue the next montage yeah. it's like a montage of like the country club club yeah. country was, club montage and it was fun i i really enjoyed it um frankie kind of sucked in the scene though i wrote down i'm like she wouldn't feel believable to me like everybody else was really funny there it was a serious improv probably going on yeah maybe not her sharpest improv skills well uh, robert Downey jr was fantastic his stuff Gold. was awesome and ronnie was great too yeah Just exactly talking about fellatio yeah, and- yes it was great all it was a great scene although for me it came to a screeching halt when james spader had to do his musical moment. Oh, we're getting to that. Oh, okay. No, this is this <laughs> this to me is amazing because it's like, wait, ah, what just happened? Yeah. Here? Now we're gonna cut to our next musical montage. So the band, the band, <laughs> the band. Uh, there's a great line. So while this montage is going on, uh, the band is still playing. I think like Twist and Shout or something like that. And uh, <laughs> I think that's when. Uh, Ronnie looks at the, all the other girls and she's like, you swallow, right? And they <laughs> talking about fellatio. Yeah. They'll nod their heads. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then it comes back to the band. Uh, I, I forget what the band guy says. It was something in regards to like, you know, most of you probably came in a BMW today. I came in a BMW once. <laughs> long pause it was like this is i love this band i love this whole moment yeah i didn't have any problem you you said they were cheesy i thought it was actually smart for the director or who uh, the casting person whatever to make this band cheesy like yeah like even though this movie has a weird amount of music in it like they (laughs) they put everything is and even with the 60s band like they're not like if they'd moved them around and put different bands in different spots, it wouldn't have worked. They put no. the right band in the right scene yeah. to make it actually feel somewhat believable as yes. possible. Yeah, I, well, yeah, we'll get to the last band in a little bit because I have a lot of feelings about it. But um, but yeah, this wedding band, this country club band is hilarious. And then everyone's smuggling food. They're like Ron, the, the 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 gang of four, the four horse, the ho- four horsemen are smuggling food from the place and uh, the major d walks up and he's like um what's going on here and you know they're taking the food out and then the band decides to take a break and as soon as they do morgan jumps on the piano and he's like okay everybody well i'm gonna play one more for you i've got a song for you everybody so listen up and frankie's sitting on the table on the piano she's like what oh my god what are you doing looking very uncomfortable and he starts playing the song because the night and uh, I had this. This it's a kind of a running gag with the people that know this movie because it's such a cheesy moment, and the lyrics are like you know not knowing where to go. And I walk the night, she walks the night. It's like a love song that he wrote for Frankie. I, I'm assuming that he maybe made up on the spot. By the way, he's not singing this song. No, no, he's not. He's lip syncing it. Yeah. But it's a pretty decent um, match. Is it? Because I'm like, <laughs> well, I'm like, maybe this guy, this sounds, this sounds like it could be James Spader. Does it? I, <laughs> I guess not. My note on this was I did not need the piano scene. <laughs> oh, come on. It's so good. No, no. That scene could have been completely cut. It overstayed its, its welcome. Oh. I didn't find the humor in it. Oh. And it, I think it's it, to me it it screeched to a halt. Yeah, for it's me. really well. It's the it's the midway point of the movie, by yeah. the way. But it's really uncomfortable because she looks uncomfortable. Yeah, and, and then they get kicked out of the uh, the club. Oh, at that point, the the, the Mater D, you know, is like, "You don't belong here," and he's like, "You're right. We don't. We don't belong here." 
and and I liked when when they left when James Spader and and Frankie left. Yeah. I liked the ma- like the camera kind of stays yeah. on the Maitre D. Yeah, and he kind of oh, he gives this little like you could tell he just gets happy because he's like oh I did my job I kicked them out he's you know so, I wrote yeah I wrote down he's so pleased and, with himself right but now <laughs> I, but that's a great that was a great choice by the director to keep the camera on him and give him that one second of a moment again it's just another piece of information about a character like we get all these characters and we get little pieces of information yep. about them yeah it's it great subtle. I love it. I I love little character moments like that. Yeah, so you would just take out those two minutes of the of the Montauk song or the, the because of the night. Yes, yes, one hundred percent. Yes, but that that sets up the next scene because now they're Frankie and uh, Morgan. I almost said Frankie and Ronnie. Uh, Frankie and Morgan are in like s- some random fountain and um, you know having a moment and Frankie's realizing that she deserves better than Nick. Right, and that's what Morgan's basically breaking down to her. I, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I've been on that end. Many a time back in the day, trying to convince the the girl who has a boyfriend why she shouldn't be with that guy and she should be with me, and that never went the route this went. No, no, usually doesn't go that route because guess what? None of us are James Spader. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. This is the moment, and I wrote it down. Uh, he they were rich, but his father lost his business. Oh, okay, okay, and that's what happened. And Frankie thinks that she doesn't have a future. She's like, oh, I'll probably be married and have a couple kids or something like that. Uh, you start to find out, like, she's not so bad. You know, she's she's w- like a white trash girl who is, is when you brought up a certain way. Um, and I dated a girl like this once. It's like when you got the when you got this influence in your ear all the time, you don't know how else to act. Right. And then when you finally realize, wait, I don't have to act that way. I don't have to be this per- horrible person. Maybe something's going to change. And her mom's dead, too. And her mom. Yeah. She reveals that her mom died of cancer a year before. And you're like, oh man, my heart breaks for this chick, and she's and she like has such an innocence about her. Suddenly, like you realize, she's a good person. Right? She does a great job of playing both sides. Although when she was the mugger, I didn't like 100 percent feel like she was like a bad person, you know, yeah. um, at the very, very, very beginning. Uh, but she still does a good job of playing both roles, and then basically letting the the strong facade sort of melt away. Yeah. And then, you know, this movie, even though James Spader is billed, I guess, as, as the lead, you know, as it's about him, she, I, her arc is bigger than his arc. His arc is, her, her arc is way bigger, and he's, you, you, this is Frankie's story, if you really think yeah, about it. it really, it's, it's, it really is more her movie than anything else because yeah. at the end, I don't even know if James Spader's character even went through an arc, you know. Uh, no, but, I don't know if he really changed his ways. Right, but she did. She did. She, and yeah, it's it's almost like Big Trouble in Little China where the the main character that you're watching is not the actual main character of the story. Yeah. I would say Tough Turf is Frankie's story. I would totally agree with you on that. I feel like she... Uh, there's again you're talking about layers earlier so many layers to all these characters she has the most layers to her story and you have this really like uh, aching for her you know and from I there, had the, an aching for him between I'm my sure legs. You did. <laughs> I mean, she's really hot. She's really, and I don't. And I'll, okay, I don't mean that in like a derogatory term, guys. Whatever, like hate me she's for that. She's beautiful. She's a beautiful person. Yeah. And you think about who you think about in this business that people look a certain way and you idealize them to be a certain way. She might not be anything like this person on screen, but the character she plays is wonderful. And then you cut to the next seek, the next montage, the next dance scene where uh, they're at a club uh, and it's Jack Mack in the heart attack. 
And it's a 60s club, it's a but 60s it club. feels very 80s. Like the band feels 80s, but yeah. the club is 60s. I loved everything <laughs> about it. <clears throat> it was so interesting. I, I I feel like you were on the opposite end of things. But can you tell us me about the band? What's the deal with the band? Okay, so I, I really quick, I my I love cheese ball shit. And I'm like, this is so fucking cheese ball. It is like cheesiest to the cheese to me. Because the band are just all these old white Toto, who Toto, the '80s band Toto, who has you know amazing, great Africa. Come on, guys, Africa. But if you look, if you look them up, they're a bunch of fat white dudes. Yeah, well, like overweight white dudes. Yeah, and 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 it's it's so weird because back then you look at these guys, right? And and this is '85, so I'm like, man, that dude looks like he's like 40, but he was probably like 29 or something. But the amount of cocaine and alcohol they're consuming, or meat, red meat, yeah, and chest hair yes, that kind of sticks chest out. And mustaches like these guys are like curly haired mustaches jack mack is like, i don't know a, i don't have a single friend these <laughs> days that it looks it's it you know what it is it's it's the poltergeist scenario it's it's um it's the, the <laughs> poltergeist dad no, scenario. The, the dad in poltergeist like he what's his you know, craig, craig t nelson he in that movie he looks like he's always gonna look like 50 to me but you know he was like 30 in that movie yeah. but yet his hair like people just looked older back then yeah. like we know how to like take care of ourselves <laughs> yeah. and yeah. now i don't have any friends i mean dude you and i are both older than probably every member of that band yeah and we don't have any chest hair that we're like sticking <laughs> no. out of our button down shirts and you know like and we don't have like the the old man haircut yeah. <laughs> You know, I, I just, and 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 these are the guys who like okay my my point with Toto was everyone is like oh this music's so great and you know these guys must be like young looky kajagugu looking dudes and then you see them and you're like oh that's the band that was the thing about the 80s where like they wanted you to look a certain way and you idealize them to look a certain way and then you do see them and you're like oh that's not what i thought they would look like and unfortunately there are female singers that had a lot of that you're <laughs> yeah. like oh my gosh she's got an amazing voice and then you see and you're like oh but she's not hot to my degree so i'm not gonna listen to her music anymore yeah. kind of bullshit now we don't care about that stuff but back then in the 80s this band does not look cool they don't look cool to me they're doing like 60s um they're doing 60s soul music right They're doing like it's not sam cook but it would she's looking good is like you know and I, I was in a band once where i had to sing a lot of this type of stuff and i was so not into it because i'm like no a white boy shouldn't be singing this who looks like that i'm but, sorry but just dude there's fit. like there's like five guys on like saxophone or yeah. whatever and they're all like moving in unison there's a lot going on yeah, so I, with this band i'm like dude they're putting on a damn good show they're interacting with the crowd especially oh, yeah. when uh frankie starts dancing everywhere yeah frankie's going nuts and at this point this is when i grab my phone and i looked up jack mack and the heart attack i'm like who this i, I want to know the history of this band there's still around by the way oh so so it it's not a band that was put together for the movie no. it's a real band this is a legit la 60 soul band okay a, okay a blues band it's been around for obviously since the 80s uh, i think like 82 maybe earlier than that and you go on their website and they've got their they still have music today they're still doing shows no shit they have a live record that they just put out and a brand new one that's like kind of a throwback to muscle shoals music soul music i'm like that's cool hey this they sustained I, the lineup is looks pretty much the same <laughs> even <laughs> with that one guy with the mustache the skinny guy with the with hair the, with the hair and the mustache <laughs> yeah, with the sunglasses. Dude, who's playing air saxophone or, uh, at the end of the movie by the way yeah i mean really cheesy i mean like you may be <laughs> yeah. a, a i mean god dude like 
being in a band, it, all you have to do is be in a band and you can get laid. It doesn't matter yeah. what you look like because no, you mean, know this, that guy gets laid, yeah, right? Yeah, I know, I, know, I know a lot of – I have some friends who have parents who are in bands like this, you know, and, they, and they, they're cool. It's like, hey, you're living your dream, man. Yeah, yeah man, just maybe get a haircut. As I don't my know. little brother says, living the dream. <laughs> so, um, Schaferizing. Yeah, she's Schaferizing it. So Morgan – so Frankie's dancing like a maniac. She's like in her groove. Morgan – I wrote Morgan is creaming his pants right now because she is so sexy and it's not total body double doing her flip. She's like doing cartwheels and flips and it's a body double at that point. Are you sure? Because oh, I'm positive. I, dude, I thought I it looked, that shit. Okay, okay. All right. All right. Because I thought on a couple times, I was like, okay, it's got to be a body double and then her head turned and I was like, it looked almost kind of like her. So I, I just couldn't tell. It's really good editing because yeah. there are some moments that I paused and I'm like, oh, yep, that, that's well, totally. Good. I even said here, I go, this is where I took a note on the editing, uh, another note on the editing was that like there was a part in the song where she's doing something and it just cuts back and forth, back and forth between the singer and her, yeah. singer and her. Like she's this really so cool. Good. Yeah, and I was like, I was like, this uh, this editing is wild yeah. in this movie. Yeah. And I'm wondering, <laughs> like, know. was it like a music video editor or something? Did he yeah. edit music videos? That's what it felt like to me too. Yeah. Like this is a lot of heavy music. This is like a perfect MTV movie. Right, right. God, this movie's and again, we've said it a million times already, not a million times, but you get the point. Uh it's so fucking good. This movie is so fun. It's such a fun 80s movie. It really is. It really hasn't gotten too dark yet, and we're an hour into the movie, right? Halfway through. Um, but then right after that, we realize Frankie finds out that Nick's out of jail, and he's with and Frankie's room with her, right? And he's yelling at her. He's just being a t- like, but I get that. And he's like, "You're my girl," you know, and he's pissed off at her, and and uh, he starts to go off. And this is when you start thinking, like, maybe he's got a much darker side than we we've felt we've led on to yet. And you can see Frankie's having kind of second thoughts about him, and she's not into him at this point, and he wants to get it on with her. And she's like, "I'll tell you when I'm ready." And I wrote down, like, "Wait, is she a virgin?" Like, has she given up her sexuality yet to him? Um, sorry, I didn't, that sounded horrible. But you know what I mean. Like, you did know, she give up her flower? <laughs> did, you, did he deflower her yet? And, um, and then suddenly she's, like, laying down on the bed. And I wrote, like, he basically raped her because she didn't want to have sex with him. My takeaway was that she had had sex with him before, but it's like you can't just have – my takeaway was you can't just come here and have sex with me any time. Yeah, I realized that after I wrote that down and then she – and then they started kind of – he started going down on her. It's yeah. like, oh, okay, so yeah, he – she just wasn't in the mood at that point. And, and you're thinking, okay, how long is this scene going to go? Because the camera's focused on her for a moment, like looking, her, looking very uncomfortable. And then they cut – from there, they cut back to the school. I'm assuming the next day. Yeah. And Morgan's in the shower and it's a, it's an odd kind of beginning to, to the music. They, they do a close up of the boom box and it's playing green onions, you know, and, the, and, and he's like, and he's like, turn it up. It's a cool song, man. <laughs> yeah. There's kind of a weird, uh, somewhat of a montage shower montage where people are slapping each other with towels and, uh, it's kind of cute in a weird way. <laughs> and this is, this is where I took the note. I go, I go, is James Spader a high schooler with a tattoo? Yeah. Question yeah. Mark? That's right. You can see, his, you can see, the spade on his bite on his arm and yeah. upper shoulder and a couple times they try not to show it but they couldn't help it in a couple shots yeah, the spade he's the spade he's i wonder spade. if david spade has a spade tattoo <laughs> on his they're spade a. brothers <laughs> maybe james maybe david spade is david spader but he dropped the er because 
That's a whoa. Oh, okay, so anyways, they're ha- they're having a good time. Everyone's kind of you know uh, having you know having a nice little shower session in the gym. And James Spader's like, "Hey, turn the music up, man. This is a good song. I like this. This is a good groove." Like no one's listening to him at this point because he doesn't even really know anybody other than Jimmy. Yeah. And then you see the locks get taken, the radio goes off, uh, and out of nowhere, just starts getting the shit pummeled out of him with lockers in towel or locks wrapped up in a towel. Yeah, dude, that whipped. shit He's is getting brutal. whipped with that. He, yeah. That is brutal, dude. They did that. Didn't they do that in um, Full Metal Jacket? I think they wrap up soap bars because uh, that's like yeah. a, it's a prison thing because it's a prison you, thing. it doesn't leave. I mean, I guess it leaves bruises or whatever, but it doesn't like leave bad marks or like I, I guess that's the point right because you, yeah. you put something in the towel the towel kind of absorbs some of the hit but not like all of it obviously yeah they do that in um in in the sean penn movie bad boys the okay. 80s the early 80s movie yeah and it's always like a hazing thing yeah you haze like, somebody like beating beat them with the like when they're asleep beating them with the, that's a that's a, this is why i never got into like fraternities and stuff like i never understood the concept of hazing i'm not gonna yeah. be friends with somebody who just beat the shit out of me with a towel and a soap bar of soap you know yeah, I like, think I, I. Yeah, I mean, this is everything I hate about guys being just jerks to each other. Yeah, uh, and, and it, I yeah. didn't have the, those kind of friends growing up. Yes, we all had friends that did stupid crap, like knock the meatball into your shirt or something, <laughs> yeah. and that's all fun in games. Yeah. But we never like went around beating each other up. No, no, and I, my bro- my brother had friends like that because mm. they did that to me, and I was like, that's so fucked up, but. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> oh God, another onion layer getting peeled back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, I'm, I'm Frankie. Oh, Frankie. Um, so, anyways, Nick is, you know, gets up and his. Nick doesn't do any of the beating, by the way. It's, it's, it's uh, Mickey and and Eddie, it's his goons, and his goons, and and then finally, you know, he comes over and he's like, guys, guys, be nice, be nice. You know, like lay off, lay off them at this point because they're they're like get so getting into it. And he goes up to Morgan and he's like, oh, does it hurt? And he's like, kind of being nice to him. And you're thinking, oh, is this guy going to be a nice guy? And then he just whacks the shit out of Morgan one more time to knock him out. Yeah. And you're like, okay, yeah, this is, it's on. This shit is on. Then we cut back to Morgan and, his, and, and Morgan's house, right? And, and at Morgan's house, uh, the dad's in the kitchen studying real estate. And then Morgan comes home and, and he looks pretty decent considering he just got the crap kicked out of him. Then goes into his room and, um, you know, the dad kind of walks in on him to see what's going on. I think the dad even tells the mom, oh, I'll go check on more. Yeah, right? yeah. And then, and then now you realize at this point the dad is a really cool dad. Yeah, that it's was a really my... heartfelt moment that just, it's about to happen. Yeah, it's, it's a great scene between the dad and Morgan. And the dad says this awesome thing where he was like, He's like, I'm paraphrasing oh, it, I got but he, it. Yeah. Uh, he's like, was like, I don't want you to be like your brother. I want you to be you. Yeah, yeah, because because Morgan says, yeah, I screwed up. And, yeah, and there's and you can tell like this is who Morgan is. He makes bad choices. He just needs someone to help him, right? Right. And the dad's like, look, yeah, he says, you know, don't. I want you to be you. Do what you really want to do, right? Do what you believe in. And then I love this line. He goes, life's not a problem to be solved. It's a mystery to be lived. Yes. And yep. I'm like, oh, yep. The, that is like every single thing your dad, you wanted your dad to say back in the day. Yeah. And all these, you know, th- this movie I thought on the surface was going to be a certain way. And one of those ways that I thought it was going to be was that, you know, the dad's going to be your normal dad. The yep. mom's going to be your normal 80s mom. But it was a little bit more reversed. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times in these movies, the dad is the one that the son sort of butts heads with and yep. the mom 
mom sort of and in here it's like he doesn't get along with the mom but his dad's actually really freaking cool yeah his dad's so cool and sets up a really lovable character mm-hmm. right and then and then from there we're we the dad leaves Morgan to himself and the mom's like, what's going on? And the dad's like, I, I took care of it. You know, it's, it's, yeah. all, it's, all, it's okay. And it's like, oh man, he's got a really cool dad. Well, even, even Morgan heard him say that too. Yes. That's uh, in right. his room is, you know, I it, That was cool. I really, really liked the dad character a lot. Really cool scene. Right. And, and from there we cut to Frankie's house and I wrote, she's looking less trashy and more flashy <laughs> and she's kind of making her hair up. She's got pictures of like all these different fashion things on the wall and she's trying to look her, make herself look good she's looking good looking so good like that <laughs> yeah that song i used to cover that song oh no so really think about me covering that song i don't fit that song and i'm like <laughs> i covered that at a at one of my school functions it just doesn't work i'm sorry it's just not for me anyways it's a really sweet moment because she's like kind of trying to look good for herself and put her hair up and put her hair down and you think oh like this is it's a it's a longer scene of her kind of getting re- dressed and um, Morgan shows up outside her window, and he's in a like, little better off dead moment, where he's told, playing. Yeah. yeah, he's playing his '60s music, his '60s soul music, and uh, and he's like, he's like, she's like, you better get out of here. And he goes, I just want to know you, Frankie. And that was a really sweet moment, I thought, because he's mm-hmm. like, I don't want, I'm not going to take advantage of you. Clearly, we have a connection. Yeah, I just want to get to know you. Yeah. And then you hear Nick show up, and she kicks Morgan out, and uh, and and you know, he's like, well, come to my house for dinner tomorrow night which is kind of weird because it's like, wait, she's still got this asshole boyfriend. I wouldn't have gone out about it that way, but whatever. And Nick walks in with Frankie's dad, and you find out that they're going to get married because Nick asked her dad for permission to marry her. Who the hell gets married at the age of like 16 or 17 yeah. or whatever the hell they He's are? Like, and then they later reveal that you know when they get out of high school, they're going to get married. Right. But I'm thinking, I'm like, this is horrible. And the dad is like, you know, the dad's like, oh, I'm so happy for you guys. And and uh, they're popping a bottle of champagne. And Frankie just looks like, well, this is the rest of my life. I'm screwed. I can't imagine that that dad likes Nick at all. But he does. So I'm like, okay. Well, yeah, he, you find out later that he, he doesn't really know Frankie's life. He just wants her to be happy. Right. And he thinks that this was going to be make her happy. And if this makes her, whatever makes her happy, he's happy with. And that's another cool thing. Like, her dad's not a dick either. No. no he's no, a positive I, male role model. Yeah, actually, he's just trying to do his thing. Again, I, I think Frankie's story is as interesting as as Morgan's story is in this. Yeah. And like you said, it, it, she's got way more deeper. Her mom died a year ago. It's only been a year that her dad's been a widow. So, of course, he's going to be fragile, you know. Um, so that happens. <laughs> so that happens. He gets, they get engaged. <laughs> And then you cut back to school where more Jimmy shows Morgan this bike. He got him a new bike. Yeah. He got him like a little cruiser. What a great friend. Cruiser. I'm like, dude, this, first of all, he gives him a knife. The knife never comes into play, by no. the way, which was kind of weird. But, um, but he gives him a brand new bike and, oh, and then he's like, why? Well, it's a consolation prize. And Morgan's like, for what? He's like, for, didn't you hear that uh, Frankie's getting married to Nick, which throws Morgan a loop. And right. Morgan goes and finds Frankie. And and this is the second time we see the security guard at the school, yeah, the and secu- the last time <laughs> yeah, we see him, last, sadly, sadly, because the guy's so great. <laughs> and uh, you know, it's it, it's and and he confronts Frankie about everything, and he's like, "Look, you don't have to do this." And Ronnie's like, "Oh, it's a total romance," and it's a really kind of sweet moment because you're thinking, "Okay, where's this going to go? This is starting to ramp up here." Next scene, it's 
dinner time at Morgan's house. And the dad's like, just lay off. Be cool. Because the mom's being all judgy. She's a super judgy mom. If anything, yeah. she's just a judgy mom. She, I think she's very waspy. She's yes. supposed to be waspy. Yeah. And, 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 you know, it's normal, I guess, in a way. And Frankie shows up looking the most beautiful she's looked in the entire movie. Because at this point, she has hardly any makeup on at all. And she looks super natural. And you're like supernatural and and then <laughs> it's a really wow moment especially for teenagers because she's gorgeous you know and she comes in and she looks so uncomfortable because this is not her she's she feels way out of her element yeah everyone sits down at the table uh she picks up whatever tater totter thing she sticks in her mouth and the mom's like judging her with her judgeful eyes and frankie feels the judge and Morgan's smiling, and no one's saying anything. And then she picks up the fork, and it's like, oh, she is she is a normal child. She yeah. is a normal person. And they can start, and they're having a normal conversation. At this point, that's when Nick and his gang are, like, spying on them. Creeping through the windows, Creeping man. Creeping through the window. Like, oh, man, what's going on? How'd they find out his address, where he lived? <laughs> oh, I have to flashback. Sorry, I, I omitted this earlier. When, when Morgan went to Frankie's house, and he said, I'll leave, but you have to read this. He gives her a book to read you don't know what the book is but all you know is she read the book the entire book apparently in 24 hours because she goes i read the book it's really good um and still the mom's like again judging you know and then yeah nick is spying on them being all creepy and then it cuts back to them kind of having a sweet moment about the gardens somewhere i think Uh, it's the huntington gardens in pasadena that's right the the mom wants to go see the huntington gardens in pasadena which is a very rich white person thing to yes, do it is. and i've been there with my mother and um <laughs> and we're white but not rich <laughs> but uh yeah and and but then she talks about the mom talks about well you know didn't you go there with your mom or right or, or whatever no, she's, yeah we should go there uh your mom uh your mom and you should your mom and you should come with yeah, us or something yeah. like that and 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 i'm like wait that's the moment where you immediately say as the boyfriend or assumed to be boyfriend like mom her or her her mom died from cancer. Yeah, and like have that moment. Instead, they just let that scene sit. Frankie uh, gets wine dumped on her and storms out of the room. It's very uncomfortable. The mom didn't know; it wasn't nope. her fault. And, she- and 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 that's that was my takeaway from there because I didn't think the mom was a complete bitch or whatever like they kind of you know that's what they were kind of like trying to play it as but even the mom's like i didn't know like and you're right you did not know that's that is not something i think you could ever assume that someone's mom is dead no especially at that age it's a harmless it's a harmless mistake we've all put our foot in our mouth at least once we've all said to somebody oh are you pregnant and then found (laughs) out they're not and that's worse than this yes that is worse than this yeah i I think um but that i was actually on the mom's side on that one i was totally too yeah at that point i'm like okay the mom's not a bad person yeah, well, yeah, she, and the mom's never a bad no. and never a bad person. No. We just were also seeing her in a very turbulent time. She yep. got uprooted. Yeah, you know, of course she's gonna like be like, bitter and be, be a little bit angry, a little bit bitter that she's not with her what she clearly wanted to be, like you know, with her yacht clubs and yeah. stuff. Um, and you know, of course her oldest son is is successful. Of course she's gonna gravitate towards that. Is is her. You know, values a little skewed, yes, but yeah. I don't blame that character for that, and I I don't say that she's a bad mom or anything. I think every everyone in this movie, as we've said it before, is very rounded of a character. Yeah, but Nick's about to Nick's about to you know, except for Nick, he's full, he's yeah, he's the piece of crap. He's about to fill out the rest of his character because you know, and the the, the, the Frankie storms off and leaves, and and uh, you know, I think and. Um, 
uh, Morgan says, you know, you're not Nick's girl. And she's like, I'm not your girl either. Like, right. And that's a cool moment because she's like, I don't have to be anybody's girl. Right. I'm me. I'm discovering who she, I am. She's discovering who she is as a person. Yeah, and I, really I, that's cool. really cool. I like that. Yeah, me too. I, I That was a, a great moment. And she's walking down the street. It almost, and I wrote this down too. I thought, oh, is this the same street that she walked down in a Sultan Precinct 13 <laughs> 10 years prior? Is she having flashbacks? She, yeah, you know, where she got shot. Uh, it, but then Nick rolls up in his car and he's like, hey, get in the car, get in the car. You know, he's being told dick to her. And uh, But then once he does, she's being super sweet to her. And you think it's all good. And he's like rubbing her head like a dog. It's really an odd moment. And the guys in the back are like, look uncomfortable. You know, his two thugs are with him. And uh, they're driving around. He's like, let's have a little fun. And they're, you get the sense that they're driving around all night. Well, he's they're kinda, also drinking like a handle of Jim, Jim Beam, Yeah, too. he's giving alcohol to everybody, get them all you know, liquored up. <laughs> the 80s, man. It was the, the 80s. 80s. Let's just drink this. I remember being in you know, high school and people getting like peppermint schnapps or something with a little bit of flavor. So sure. it didn't burn all the way going down. Of course. But these guys were just straight up Jim Beam. Dude, I was I was square as shit. I didn't start drinking until I was 21. Yeah, I mean, I didn't either. But the, 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 you know, the chicks I knew who were bringing in bottles of scope and and then peppermint schnapps in there instead of you know, mouthwash. Oh, yeah, it was so much drinking. I went to a privileged white school. I was like a total outlier. I, but I, did, I had the same upbringing, um, a upper middle class area, but I was not like my mom fought really hard to get me into that school system. Yeah. Um, and by that, I mean she worked her ass off so we could live in a little townhouse in this nice area. But, yeah, I, I went to a rich high school in Maryland, um, and, dude, my takeaway was I saw so many new Mustangs because this was like 95. I graduated in 96. Okay. I saw so many cherry new Mustangs getting totaled in their first week, you know, because parents bought them for their kids. And here I am driving around in like my 1991 Nissan Sentra yeah. with like 120,000 miles on it. And it's, you know, and I don't, I didn't give a crap. No, you know? no. And, but- and I love that because like I didn't care if my car got knocked or something, you know, and now my kid's <laughs> never going to have like a cherry new car as their first car. Yeah, you think about that now as adults and you're like i would never do that yeah you're but, an idiot <laughs> yeah but you know nick nick is uh nick's got his camaro or uh, the yeah the camaro i think well, that thing is fucking amazing it's a chair it's it's sweet muscle car and they're driving around all night and and then at one point mickey in the back the spray paint guy he's like i gotta take a piss and he's like well do it out the door you know and he's pissing out the window which is hilarious yeah and uh and you really like what are they looking for because every time they're kind of flashing on taxi cabs right like the one morgan's dad drives and suddenly they're in sherman oaks yeah uh in front of the in front of a newsstand and you realize why it's helpful that morgan's dad has has like this old New York style of cab. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, at first you're like, why is he gritting on all these cab drivers? Then you realize, oh, he's looking for, for Mr. Heller. Yes. Hiller? Hiller? Heller. 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 Yeah. H-E-L-L-E-R. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So he's looking for Morgan's dad is what happens. And he finally scopes him out because you can't miss that. Yeah. That, uh, whatchamacallit. That cab. That the cab. cab, yeah. Once you do, you realize what is happening. Mm-hmm. And Nick's like, oh, we're running out of gas. Uh, Frankie, can you uh, go uh, take my watch and, and trade it for some cash? And he's like, that, she's like, that's the watch I gave you. He's like, go do it. You know, she gets out of the car and she realizes that it's Heller and what's going to go down. And she's like, I can't do this. And, and Heller she, doesn't see her, but she like turns around. Like right she when she realizes, she's like, oh, you know, yeah. goes right back. And uh, and then, yeah, Nick's like, well, why can't you do it? Yeah. You know, what, 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 why? What's up with that guy? And she tries to play it off like, oh, I didn't want to, you know, hawk your 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 
watch that I gave yeah, you. Like and he's value. like, no, he's like, no, that's not it. You, yeah. you know why it is. Yeah, it's very pat, like very passive about it yeah. at first, and then he just snaps on her. Yeah, and and he's like, you know, forces her to do it. And it's kind of a cool moment because it, it, you, in a lot of movies they might just go, okay, I'm gonna go along, I'm gonna go pretend and do the thing and then get it over with. But she just runs up immediately. She's, she's like, get like, out of here, go. get out of here. And of course, he's like, oh, hey, how are you doing? And yeah. then you know, some of them comes up right behind him. But lo and behold, <laughs> dude, freaking Morgan's dad is like, I don't know, an ex boxer or something. Because Again, he, Marvel Universe, where are you? He wipes the floor with all of them, <laughs> all three of them. Yes. He, I mean, and it's really cool because they get some hit in, him, some hits in, and you know, usually you see these kind of fights, and you know, once the bad guy gets the first hit in, the 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 quote unquote good guy or whatever goes down. Yeah. But dude, like, he'll get a hit in, and then Morgan's dad will hit Nick back, and yeah. you know, and I was like, dude, and I even texted Nick, uh, Zach. I was like, I was like, dude, Morgan's dad's fighting back, and then yeah, as you're texting me, and I realized when you were telling me that you were at the fight scene, I yeah. thought, oh man, because <laughs> you're gonna be really disappointed in a minute. And then Morgan's dad kind of like pushes Nick back, you know, kind of makes that distance in between them. And then Nick pulls out that gun and just goes pop, pop and just like shoots him. Blast him twice. Blast him twice. And I, so my text to Zach is Morgan's dad kicks ass exclamation point. Next text is no with like a thousand O's. (laughs) Morgan's dad is dead exclamation point. Then I go, oh, dot, dot, dot. He's not dead. Yeah. Because because the next scene after that is, well, uh, they, they split. They split. But, stays but Frankie with, stays with with Morgan's dad. Yeah, as he's bleeding out on the concrete, bleeding I'd be out. like, "Pitch, go call somebody." <laughs> I know. Like, how long does it take before you go and rush and you scream out to <laughs> yeah. someone help? And he got shot like in the chest. Like yes. one was in the ribs and one was in the like the the peck or something. And I'm like, those aren't like arm shots. No. Like that's like painful. You're dead. Yeah. I, you know. Fortunately, he didn't die. He's Fortunately, at the hospital. he died. Did not die. The 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 nurse is like because. Um, Morgan's there with him crying. And the nurse says he's a fighter. He's strong. Yeah, he's, a, he's a fighter. And we, we, we saw that. He is a fighter. And and, and at that point, uh, I'm like, Morgan, this is all your fault, dude. You're the reason your dad got shot. Yeah. Like, this is all your fucking fault. Like, you caused all of this because you've got your little thing you got to do, you know? And I get that. Like, you, I would be pissed off, too. I'd be. This is all my son's fault because he he just can't. Like, just go with the flow. Well, I mean, okay, yeah, I guess so, because Frankie is there, so the mom does know that it was probably Frankie's uh, boyfriend or whatever. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I was going to say, did she really know? But yeah, Frankie's there, so she probably knows. I'm sure Frankie gave a statement to the police, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, because Morgan... Morgan, you know, goes outside of the room and is with the mom and they have a moment at first and you're like, oh, okay, you know, he's being sweet to his mom. She's being sweet to him. And then Brian shows up and she immediately runs to Bri Bri because he's the golden child of the family because he doesn't screw up like Brian does or like Morgan does. And Morgan walks off all slumped out. And then that's when Frankie walks out from another room and they hug each other and they kiss and she's so sorry. And it's like a, it's a sweet moment because you're like, okay, are these two, uh, you know, is it going to get okay now? Right. And then they cut to Morgan's house. They go back to Morgan's house, Frankie and Morgan. And she's saying like, it hurts so bad. The pain of like dealing with this. And I'm like, yo, you're not the one who just got shot twice. Yeah. You know? And, uh, (laughs) like, 
I need Yara. Hmm, you didn't well, you didn't get I, shot, bitch. <laughs> well, I, he's doing something to her back. He's like patching up her back. Yeah, because she got knocked down. Yeah, and yeah. So I think that's what the pain was that she was referring to. But yeah, you're not. You didn't get shot. <laughs> I like to assume that you know. And, yeah. Um, and then they're having a sweet moment, and Morgan says, um, "I don't think you can hold on to anything without letting go first. Something like that. Yeah, something you know? to that effect. It was very sweet and it was very nice. And it was, and, and it's kind of, tr- it was tr- believable. And that's when the cue the sex scene. Yeah. There's your sex scene, Corey. Yeah. N- I, but I must tell you, that was a body double. I figured. We, you didn't see her face. And guys, uh, you know, at the time of listening to this, you know that Life Force already came out before this. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. I was a little unimpressed with well, the uh, sex scene in yeah, this one. Because when you messaged me earlier and when we before we chose this movie, and you're like, is this movie going to be on par with what we do in, in, in accordance to podcasting after dark? I'm like, yeah. There's a sex scene. Yeah. yeah <laughs> There's yeah. some violence, and, but it's really tame. And actually, it was very, like, sweet. And you see almost you see almost see James Spader's butt, which is, you know, for the dudes, that, people that want to appreciate that. And uh, and they have this moment, you know. And yeah. It's, it's a very, very sweet, sweet, lovable moment. And then from there, uh, you're, he's drop, Morgan's dropping Frankie off in front of a liquor store. And you're like, oh, she lives below a liquor store. No, she lives above it. Or above um, it, sorry. And, and, but the, we... We got that before because when um, when Nick went there to see her, the gang, the crew was outside of the liquor store. That's right. Okay. Um, yes. So yeah, and then when when uh, Morgan went to see her, you know, he was more of in the back, and he had to climb up like the fire escape slash you know back stairs to kind of get to her room, which is above. That's her dad owns that liquor store. Yes, that's right. Okay, yeah, that totally makes yeah. The dad owns a liquor store, and she goes in, and, and it's called like the oldest beer in town, or yeah. something like that. I was like, that's cool. I, like I love that, that name, yeah. actually. And uh, Frankie's saying to her dad, like, she doesn't want to get married to Nick. And and that's when you find out the dad's like, I just want you to be happy. Yeah, and I didn't even know. Yeah, no, that's that's what was – I like that. Every – all the parents in this movie, none of them are bad. They're no. not – like, they're not the bad guys in this film. Yeah. You they're, know? They're, 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 they're actually – they're actually some of them are actually really good fucking parents. Yeah, the the parenting and the advice that Morgan's dad gives him, yeah. and, and you think that the da- uh, Frankie's dad is a good guy. Yeah, I, I my takeaway is to... yeah, my takeaway is that Frankie's dad was was sweet, and he's just he just you know I don't he just didn't know that Nick was a piece of crap. You know, I'm sure well, he we knows. never saw it, but I'm sure Nick put on the charm. Yep. You know, always was nice because Nick Nick's Nick's a troubled soul. Well, and you were just about to find out because he storms in and just starts pummeling Frankie and the dad comes over to intervene and he just beats the crap out of the dad, throws him into the, uh, the shelving unit at the store and like knocks it over and it's just beats the shit out of him, gets Frankie to call up Morgan and uh, Morgan, Morgan immediately shouts, you know, like, like, or no, Frankie shouts like "Don't come" or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Frankie shouts, "Yeah, don't come!" And and then uh, Nick grabs the phone. He's like, "Be at the warehouse in twenty minutes." Which is the warehouse that the band played at. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so after that, Morgan is, you know, getting ready to go out, and Brian shows up with the same sweater he's been using wearing through the whole movie. All Fucking Brian, Brian. Fucking and he's Brian. like, "If you if you leave, I'm going to call the cops." And he's all pissed off. And and I get it. Again, he's not being he's not being a douche per se shitbag per se but he's being but you get the sense that like he's definitely not morgan and morgan's gotta he's gotta go he's gotta go save the day yeah right and so after that he storms out and suddenly he morgan, storms out with his dart guns with his dart guns yeah. yeah yeah which is a great um foreshadow right and 
then you cue, cut to him riding his bike in Santa Monica. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah. oh, he's in Santa Monica now. That's I know where that is. Uh, yep, I knew exactly <laughs> where that sweet. was. <laughs> so we and so he goes to Jimmy's house first to get Jimmy to help him out, but Jimmy's not there. The brother's there, and he leaves a note for him. And like the brother's there with his dog. The brother's there with his dog. Yeah, the Pipple yeah. or whatever it is, Doberman. Pinscher. But even that brother had literally like I don't know a minute of screen time, and I was already like, I want to know more about him. Yeah, Every the character, you know, it's weird. I love James Spader in this movie, but his character is not the one that I, I. I it's, and I don't dislike Morgan, and I, I love James Spader, but I find. Every character in this movie has something interesting. There's even like some some looks on the faces of Nick's gang members that you're like they look at each other. They're like, "What are we really doing here?" Yeah, second guessing. Yeah, it, 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 they never feel like they're purely evil. At least not them. No. And and, and Nick even Nick is no Stegman from nineteen eighty class nineteen eighty four either. But he doesn't feel like he's perfectly evil either. He feels. I mean, he's got anger issues. I'm sure he has no dad at home. I'm sure his or dad beats him or something, and he's got anger issues. But I don't. I never found him to be purely evil like he's a purely evil person no no and in clear and he's he there's a i'm sure there's a valid reason for the way he acts right no not a justification not justification but but, that, but like some kind of like backstory to yeah, that the same reason why you know uh the the kid that gets abused by his dad is also an abuser like he probably comes from a troubled background yeah and and honestly like i've been kind of i, I can have a, a i can be angry too i'm not a violent person and I'm, i don't like have a lot of like outbursts type of thing but i i've had some anger inside me before yeah and like i could sort of relate to nick and like when he when he would do something when he would have an outburst he would get upset at that and then destroy more things but it's all because he's upset at himself yep. and i'm not not a. I'm not saying I ever hit a woman, and I'm not saying that he's ever justified for hitting uh, Frankie. But I could, I, I, I felt for him. I understood, like he, he, you know, I, he was like, ah, you know, and then, and then because he's like, he doesn't know how to process his feelings. He doesn't know how to even say I'm sorry. He doesn't know how no. to even be, you know, meekish about it. He just gets angry more because he doesn't know how to deal with his feelings. And all that take my takeaway was that is that this is just a troubled kid that just needs help. Like yeah. he needs help. Yeah. So, and we're about to find out that he, he gets help in some form of, or another because, um, you know, Jimmy's not at home and the brother is like, I don't know where he is. And, and uh, Morgan leaves a note for him. And then Morgan cuts to the warehouse where Nick is with his gang and Frankie and he's treating her like a dog. He's pushing her around. And they're, yeah. and they're at this waiting. point, he's, he's, yeah, at this point, Nick has gone past the point of you being able to sort of relate to him or even like empathize with him. Yeah. He, he's, He's gone off the deep end. He, he's, I think he's in over his head. Like yeah. this situation, the, this road he's gone down because of his anger has forced him into this situation here. Well, he, he's, he, on his record now, he'll have a stolen car and he shot uh, and, he sh- and he attempted murder. Yeah. An attempted murder of a cab driver. Right. So now he's got those two strikes against him. And uh, he's going to jail. He's totally in, in battery as well, you know. So uh, uh, he's treating Frankie like shit. Mm-hmm. And, and the gang members are like looking on kind of like, oh, what's, you know, this is well, getting even, a little heavy. Even back to the, the scene in the car where the one guy peed out the window, when Frankie and Nick were kind of fighting, even they were kind of like looking at each other. Yeah, the they two goons. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the, the goons, they weren't purely evil, although no. they were kind of goonish. Well, they always I, reported back. But yeah, they were just stray kids, man. Like yeah. they just, they got caught up in the wrong group. But the funny thing is, like, I want to know 
about Jimmy's brother, like why he got out of the gang. And he yeah. seemed older. Maybe he was maybe he was Nick before Nick. Ooh. And now Nick is the alpha. I like this world build world building. I know. Doing. This movie has an interesting <laughs> yeah. there's so much stuff that's going on around the movie yeah. that I'm intrigued by, totally. that I'm curious by, and that's what makes it a lot of, I think that's what makes this movie a lot of fun. Yeah, I think um there's there's enough there's something for everybody in this movie. Everybody any anybody that likes a good movie will appreciate something out of this film. And the backstories that you can come up with are great. And I think, you know, especially when we get to the end too, the way it kind of all wraps up and everybody's, you know, where everyone's at, it's, this is, it's a nice little package. Yeah. Um, Because, you know, Morgan has snuck into the warehouse, which is smart of him. I wrote down on my notes. I would have walked in the fucking front door because I'm a moron. Yeah. No, (laughs) he sneaks in daredevil style. Yeah. Daredevil style through the damn rafters and takes out one of the goons that are upstairs. Yeah. With his dark gun. And I, you know, the little, the the guy who had the whip, the, the antenna whip, he knocks him out. Yeah. He was the goon that we see the least. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently there's more than just the two other goons there. Well, there's three because the the whip one, he, he was not like a main one. The other two no. guys were like higher level than him yeah those are the ones who who feel mixed about nick's behavior yeah you know and um and yeah i wrote down i'm like spader's like a teenage vigilante yeah daredevil style and he's taking on all the thugs super quick and he wraps the uh one up and it's like throws him over the uh the, the, there's like two levels to this warehouse yeah he's on the upper level nick's down below he and, doesn't know what's going on and the two goons are um they're underneath like this giant it's not a billboard because it doesn't kill them when it falls it's on like them, a poster it's like some kind of poster but it's wood you know yeah. um and it's tied up because it's a it's a it's there's all kinds of stuff in the rafters it's like because obviously it's where the stage was there's yeah. a stage downstairs and yeah nick or i'm sorry not nick uh morgan ties the the antenna goon up like his feet and then does like one of those winch systems you know or whatever yeah. and makes the the billboard thing fall on the two other guys yeah on mickey and eddie or yeah, whatever. yeah yeah whatever eddie and the cruisers yeah and then he flies in he flies in like ninja style yeah on a rope and uh and kicks you know nick over and then but just then nick just starts beating the shit out of morgan yeah like, pummeling him pummeling and there's so much blood at this point this is when it got more exploitation because it, it, it if if they didn't have as much blood i don't think it would have been considered an r type movie but there's so much blood in the scene that, that it just ramped up the violence and you think at this point like what's going to happen is spader going to get killed is is nick gonna you know get the gun and but frankie grabs the gun out of nowhere and puts it on nick and you think the okay that's it she's going to blast him and she pulls the trigger and it's empty yeah and she didn't do it cold-bloodedly like like no. she did because he was going to I think he was like trying to advance on her or something and then but the look on her face when it didn't work you know when the gun's empty it's just like you could tell she was defeated yeah cuz he starts to try to reason with her but then he starts to turn on her that's and when she that's, pulls well, the she, yeah and I think she yeah she he tries to grab it and then yeah. she click and then they have that moment where it's like oh oh fuck <laughs> yeah and then and then you know this is Morgan's time to recuperate because he starts beating the crap out of Frankie yeah. like really laying into her but then Morgan gets back up and grabs an axe well wait a minute hold on oh, we're, we're uh, missing the grand oh yeah, yeah, yeah entrance yeah, yeah. before yeah, yeah. the axe sorry did i did i totally skipped the, over the that. best part of the movie oh yeah derp sorry about that while the, so he pulls the trigger and he's, he's beating on frankie and then who shows up 
with two pit bulls, two uh, Doberman, Doberman pinchers. Love those. Jimmy dogs. shows up. Yep. To attack uh, Nick. Right, and the dog, or no, the dogs go after the two other gang members. Yeah, and that's how the two gang members get like sort of chased away. Because yes. dude, and the dogs are on them like stink on a monkey, dude. <laughs> one ch- ch- chases the one guy like out the door, and then the other dude jumps out the window, and the dog goes after him too. That's right. Yeah. The do- yes, exactly. But then poor Jimmy gets shot in the leg. Yeah. So yeah, I'm sorry. I'm I'm a little all over the place because Frankie Nick hasn't confronted Frankie. Yet. This this happened before that. Yeah. Uh, Nick has the gun still. Shoots. Jimmy in the leg, right, right. So, so Jimmy's so now Jimmy's out of, out of commission, but also so are the two goons. Yes, this is where Frankie comes in, right? Yeah, and and but there's so there's no more bullets in it now because he shot all the bullets. And this was actually one of those good movies where they it was he shot at Morgan up on the the rafters before Morgan kind of spun down, and he yeah. shot like four times, and then he shot uh, um, what's his Robert Downey Jr. once. So yeah, that was all five bullets or you know whatever. It was it was good because it was not one of those movies where clearly it's a revolver and like 10 shots were fired yeah it was it was the correct amount well if you think about it if he used two bullets on let's do the math if he used two bullets on uh morgan's dad and he's only oh, got yeah. four shots left and he, he does at least three uh yeah. when when morgan's running across like the rafters yeah. and then one into uh jimmy's leg boom that's it there's your shots that's awesome yeah, that's that, that, that's yeah. actually really cool that they like we're smart about smart. how much, and especially since the amount of bullets actually track over the course of multiple scenes. Exactly, and yeah. it would make sense because yeah, Nick doesn't have just like an endless supply of bullets. No, he's this punk kid he's who probably punch, stole yeah. the gun from uh, from his dad. Yeah, from his dad, yep. right? And so, so that's when Nick starts beating up Frankie, and then Morgan gets his you know second wind and starts knocking the crap out of out of Nick. Then he grabs an axe, this big ass axe, and you see this look on. Morgan's face it's so psychotic looking because he's just so vicious right and it's a great moment because it it, it, it looks that's a little exploitative to me because it just it looks really down and dirty yeah and he's swinging the axe and Nick is tearing Nick's like backing away yeah, going he up knows, the rafters yeah, yeah. right and 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 he's just like he's getting the last legs like he's just knocking the shit out of out of Nick and he's gonna win the battle right and then one pit bull at that same time goes back to Jimmy to check on Jimmy and Jimmy's got the blood in his leg and, <laughs> I, like, ah. and I loved how the pit bull or uh, the, 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 or the sorry yeah, the, um, Doberman Doberman he just lays down next to him and puts his head on his on his leg I was like oh that's such a good <laughs> yeah, dog it's like oh it's such a sweet moment yeah. back to the battle that's yeah. going on upstairs where yeah. you guys are knocking the hell out of each other and you think you think at this moment like it's, it's over but then Nick makes one one more kind of attempt to, to knock Morgan down and Morgan just throws him, throws him through the railing. Yeah. It's so vicious over the edge. He falls over the edge and just falls to his death. Yeah. Do you think he's dead? Because yeah, he's you dead. see the blood come out of him or whatever. Cracked his head open. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. think, th- I think he's dead. Like, I prob- he probably, probably his neck, yeah. you know, and, and it's so intense because, but then it just ends. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that's it. That's it. And they just go to... Uh, and then this flashing neon light, back to fucking Jack Mack and the heart attack, or Jack <laughs> Black and... This cheap, such a cheese ball band that I that I loved. That I loved. Yeah, I loved it too. I loved it too. No, don't get me wrong. I totally love it. It's just so cheese ball. And they cut back to the band, and it's like, oh, everyone's happy, and Morgan's looking, he's looking so good, and uh, and Jimmy's Jimmy's in there with his with a cast on his leg, leg, but he's walking with no crutches. Yeah, and I love how Jack Black or whatever the hell they called when Frankie (laughs) comes in, Jack Mac. When Frankie came in, they called her out. They go, oh. 
what? They're like, oh, shit, she's back. He, but he, did you hear him? Like, he was yeah. actually talking to Frankie. Like, he's like, you better watch out for her. Yeah, you know? it's, it's such a... T- clear the dance for clear the tables, guys. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Dude, he, he totally... Jack Black totally... Jack <laughs> Mac looks like fucking Toto, bro. Yeah, he totally looks Toto. And and it's... Yeah, it's so cheesy because when he... Ro- so, Morgan... Uh, so Morgan rolls in with Frankie, and they do the whole thing, like, oh, yeah, they're looking out for her. She's looking hot. And and Jimmy walks in with his leg cast on. Well, I think uh, Ronnie walks in with, like, no more makeup on. She's looking fresh, and she's, like, all happy and rolls in. Then Jimmy rolls in, and uh, and a girl walks up, and, oh, God. I a wrote, go-go dancer, like, bites his ear. Yeah, go-go dancer <laughs> bites his ear, and, 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 he, and just Jimmy goes, state of the art. <laughs> what? What? That's not even a thing. No, I mean, this, I, sometimes in '80s movies they try to coin a new phrase. Oh, and it yeah. just doesn't. Like in there's a movie called uh, Wildlife, which is the sequel to Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Yeah, with Chris Penn and yeah. Eric Stoltz, and they say uh, casual. It's casual. It's casual. Or it's or such a stupid line. Or to keep it with podcasting after dark television when they kept saying rude. Yeah, rude. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's that way. No, it's casual. <laughs> rude doesn't work out that way. No, it's so bad. No, it's not yeah. so bad. But. Um, um, yeah, and it cuts. Back. This is this is hilarious because at this point now the credits are rolling. Yeah, they're inter they're mixing in the credits with the scene, and the Frankie's dancing like a maniac again, and Morgan's dancing like a maniac, and everybody's happy, and Jack Mack is looking right at the camera. Do you notice that <laughs> he was looking right at the camp, singing to the camera, like breaking the fourth wall? Yeah, where I'm like. Dude, who are you looking at, Jack Mac? <laughs> you like, hate your Jack no, Mac. No, I'm yeah, I'm just like so annoyed. I'm so annoyed with like this like '60s old white boy group where I'm just like, guys, you're not cool. Like you don't look cool. Yeah, I get it. Like you got to try, but you're not cool. Like the music's cool. Close your eyes. And just listen to the music, bro. I thought they were cool as shit, man. <laughs> I mean, they, again, they were like they were like the white Morris day in the time, bro. <laughs> wow, that's a, wow! I can't believe you just c- compared them to Morris Day in no, the time. No, no, you didn't. But but you know, it's it's really funny. It's really cute, and it's like a, such a happy ending to such a tragic thing. Because yeah. Nick clearly died, but no one went to jail or whatever. It all got wrapped up. Yeah. But that's the end of the movie, and it's they're playing this song. This song. Um, you know, T-U-F-F, you're so tough. Apparently, that's their song that they wrote in, the in like, 82 uh, because it's on their live album or maybe before that. It was not for the movie Tough Turf. No shit. Yeah, so it just happened to be they, they used the band. They used the song. Okay. Maybe the – again, we need a documentary to know the history of all this shit. I want to uh, know if the if the writer went to Jack – saw Jack Mack in the heart attack at some L.A. club. And he's like, oh, I got to put these guys in a movie I'm writing, you know? I would sit through a two-hour documentary on this film. I would too. <laughs> I would love that. So uh, that's the end of the movie. Yeah. And, you know, a final thoughts, Corey, on it. Yeah, buddy. Uh, we're, we're clocking in at almost two and a half hours here. <laughs> wow. Well, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going to interrupt you for – I've interrupted you so much in this, and I apologize for that. Uh, but I have to tell you, like, we've offered so many other tidbits of knowledge outside of the movie, I think. Oh, yeah. Oh, dude, I'm not saying it's a negative that it's two and a half hours. I, I had a great time Likewise. talking about this. I – yeah, so my takeaway, um, I got to say, I like Class of 1984 better. Uh, Nick is no Stegman. Stegman is what really elevates Class of 1984. And Nick was just not as strong of a villain. Although, 
I felt like everything, even though this was a really kind of weird outlandish film, it felt weirdly grounded at the same time. And I, Nick, I think, is a, probably a more rounded villain, like a, like a more realistic villain than Stegman. Stegman was much more of a like over-the-top type of villain. But it just doesn't compare, really. So, But on its own, this movie on its own, thoroughly enjoyed it, thoroughly loved it. I, I probably would have loved it a little bit more if I had not seen Class of 1984 first. Although, maybe not. Maybe Class of 1984 prepped, prepped me for this. Um, but James Spader is great. Uh, Kim Richards, like I said, my first experience with her was just a hot mess on Real Housewives. And I'm see, watching her in this movie and us talking about her performance. I'm like, why didn't she have a big, bigger career? You know, she was yeah. outstanding and yeah. she was just stunningly beautiful and just absolutely an outstanding actress. And James Spader was fantastic but he's james spader so that's you know nothing new there so james spader's freaking awesome um robert downey jr was great every character was every actor in this was great all the characters were interesting in their own way there was no character that wasn't interesting uh in in some way shape or form even even the maitre d at the the country club at the end where he kind of had his little moment of happiness there like the director did not have to show us that but i'm so happy that they did my only complaint my biggest complaint about the film is that at at an almost two hour runtime it could have trimmed just smidges here and there, just little smidges. Like, like I said, like the whole uh, camera panning over the burger sign for even 15 seconds that could have trimmed to make the movie feel a lot faster. She walks the night. Yeah, and then taking <laughs> away the 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 song that James Spader sings to Frankie. That that's a good like two minutes that we could have yeah. gotten back. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it was. I don't think it was necessary even for the characters no. at that point. Um, it was just a thing that happened, and maybe that would have. Maybe I wouldn't have had as much of a problem with it if the movie was an hour and a half. But at two hours, I'm like, you could have trimmed that because that little singing part didn't add anything. But um, <laughs> everything else, dude, it was a fun movie. I had a great time with it. Uh, I was not expecting to like it. Zach and I had so many conversations back and forth uh, <laughs> leading up to leading it. Leading yeah. up to this, whereas, you know, I was, because at first I was like, um, you know, because when Zach was like, oh, it's more of a drama comedy, I'm like, is this really one of our type of movies? And you were like, you know, yeah, you know, and, and I was like, cool, I'll trust you either way, you know, because I've never seen it. And I am so glad we watched this movie. I think this movie is spectacular. I think it's a lot of fun. And I think, I think everyone should check it out at some point, at least watch it once. My wife watched like the first 12 minutes of it. She loved it. I want to watch it again because I watched the crappy YouTube VHS looking copy of it. It was looked like a copy of a copy of a copy, you know, and I really want to see this thing in Blu-ray. I may buy it. I'm not going to lie to you. Like I loved it. I really did love it, but I loved class of 84 a little bit more, just a smidge, (laughs) just a little bit more. And it's because of Stegman, you know, but that's the thing. Like Stegman was the main thing I liked about class of 84. Whereas with this, I liked everything, everything. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally do. But Stegman was so awesome. That's the problem. I definitely like my, my high school exploitation films. Yeah. Uh, I would, I'm not, I, I may not put the principal on this list, but I might put, I was thinking, oh, that's a good one to do too. Cause it's got a kind of little exploitative vibe in it. But, uh, yeah, this, this movie is top to bottom, a fun film and it, I watched it in 85. 
again in 2019. I own it. I own uh, the old Anchor Bay edition, which looks pretty decent. Uh, I'm definitely going to buy the Blu-ray when it comes out. It's I love this movie, and I, it was I was reminded how much I loved it when I just watched it for this. It's like, oh yeah, this is good. this is great. Everything it checks off all the boxes for me. It makes me want to go back and watch James Spader's earlier stuff. I feel like I know James Spader as an older actor, and I mean, I, I've seen James Spader I, when he's younger. I know what he looked like. I've, I'm sure I've seen some movies with him in it because I, I know James Spader. But I really now this movie was like one of the first movies where I really just watched his like a movie that he was in, and you know, as a lead, and I'm just watching it. And I'm like, man, he is just. He's just—he's a star. Yeah. He's a freaking star. He yeah. just oozes personality, and yeah, like um, uh, Tony said, yeah, he kind of like—he's uh, always James Spader. But there's so many actors that are just always themselves, and that just sort of works. You nothing know? wrong with that. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. If you can pull that off, John Cusack is John Cusack. Yeah, John know? Cusack's always John Cusack. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, there's a lot of actors that fit that mold. Yeah, Robert Downey Jr. early on in his '80s career for sure. Yeah, you yeah, know? a lot of early Robert Downey Jr. stuff was very interchangeable. Kevin Bacon is Kevin Bacon. Yep, Kevin Bacon's always Kevin Bacon, pretty much. But that's why we love them. Yeah, and James Spader was freaking awesome in this movie. And Kim Richards, she's T-U-F-F, she's so tough. Dude, my biggest takeaway was that Kim Richards, where have you been my whole life? That's that's my biggest takeaway from this movie. If this ever gets to her in some weird way, shape, or form, uh, just know that we are really... Uh, in love with your performance you did yep. a fantastic job Abs- and there's I, I'm, I guarantee you everybody who has seen this movie would feel the same way yeah yeah it's so cool this was so cool this was this was a fun little treat this was very very interesting I thought but real quick before we do our, our tags out um, just wanted to let you guys know that uh, f- you know follow us on Instagram obviously it's where we're the most active but um we also have a subreddit, uh, podcasting after dark, and on there we post a lot of like supplemental material to what we talk about on these episodes. Because for so like for example, in the hardware episode of the podcast, we talked a lot about the Richard Stanley Doctor Moreau movie. So you know we posted the trailer in that subreddit group. So you guys, I really encourage you guys to go over there and sort of join the conversation because we do want to turn it into like a supplemental thing where we kind of you know can talk about everything and you know i'll we'll post a lot of the same videos to to facebook but i mean facebook sucks guys like you know like even if you like our page it doesn't mean that you're going to see what we post so i say just go to reddit just join the podcasting after dark subreddit and you'll you'll get all the same supplemental materials there we'll probably be a little bit more active there but we're definitely active on instagram so Please join the conversation. Please talk about these movies. That's what we want. We don't want this to be a one-sided conversation or a two-sided conversation. We don't want it just to be us talking you guys listening. We want you guys to engage, and we, we do have that already. People are already on there on this, our social media talking about these movies and yeah. really having a good time watching this stuff with yeah. us. Thank you for uh, chiming in, those of you that have so far, and keep it up and spread the word. Tell your friends about us. Exactly. Let's get this podcasting after dark out to... Many, many more subscribers. I know. And and on that note, the best way to do that is to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And, you know, I know that we're on Stitcher, we're on Podbean, we're on Spotify, but like still to this day, the biggest place for getting new audiences is Apple Podcasts. So if you guys have an iPhone, if you do listen to us on there, we just ask that you please just take 30 seconds and leave a, like do the five stars and then just one sentence, one or two sentences 
are, would be wonderful. And uh, that goes a long way to, to people finding our podcast. And if you if you like what you hear, please spread it. Please, you know, tell other people about it. Let them know, you know, and, and on social media and whatnot. So, spread um, it. Yeah, sp- spread it like, oh, God, I can go. Like butter. <laughs> like butter. <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> all right, Zach, this has been a marathon, my friend. And you have to go home, and we have to go down. My wife and I are going to go down to your house to go hang out with some people tonight. Yes. So. so we will continue the conversation <laughs> but, offline. But I have to have a shower first because I showered right before you got here and I got a shower again because <laughs> sitting in this dead heat for two and a half hours has just destroyed me. But uh, buddy, where can we find you online on uh, Instagram, on podcasts? What do we got? Find me on Instagram at Zach Schaefer, Z-A-K-S-H-A-F-F-E-R. Uh, also on Twitter at Zach Schaefer VO and lastly on my other podcast I'm doing called $2 Late Fee T-W-O Dollar Late Fee and that's on Instagram Um, then the link should be up on that for sure and uh, yeah look out for me how about you Corey where where can we find you (laughs) yeah buddy I'm most active as well on Instagram um, Corey Nation I'm not on Twitter and uh, podcast wise uh, I'm, I'm on this one and on the same network as Podcasting After Dark, we are on the Blast From Our Past network. And on there, I do a weekly podcast with my buddy Adam called Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast, where we talk about uh, Seinfeld every week. We It's not out right now. Okay, well, I guess when this drops, we just finished season two. So we're having we're having a good time. We're, we're chugging right along through there. And you can hear me uh, here and there on Blast From Our Past podcast, especially the episodes called The Sequels. So go check. Check, uh, go check all the podcasts out on the BFOP network. T U F F, you're so tough. Oh, yeah. I bless the rains down in Africa. <laughs> Be sure to subscribe to Podcasting After Dark and give us a five star rating on iTunes. Support Podcasting After Dark on Patreon. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Podcasting After Dark. And visit us next time for another installment of Podcasting After Dark with Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Hey, this is Brent. And I'm Eric. And we are part of the Friday Five Podcast. Yes, sir. We cover everything from the 80s to today. We absolutely do. You can find us every other Friday on any of your favorite podcasting platforms. Like any. iTunes? Like Stitcher. Oh, man. This Maybe a little Spotify. Hey, and also check us out on Instagram. Absolutely. So come hang out. I think you'll have a lot of fun, and we will see you there. Yeah, bring your Proton Pack and your Ecto Cooler. And maybe some McNugget Buddies. <laughs>